What's up, my friends? My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. These are conversations with fascinating people I meet along the way, from filmmakers to big wave surfers to environmental thought leaders and everyone in between. Anyone who I think is interesting, I'll sit them down, throw a mic in front of them and say, hey, let's talk. And in this conversation, I sat down with a pig hunter, Justin Lee, and his brother, who is a pig farmer. You may have listened to the episode that I did with Justin, which uh, a lot of you have given great feedback on. He is one charismatic man. Uh, he is an accomplished bow hunter as well as spear fisherman. And his brother is a pig farmer who raises organic Berkshire pigs sustainably. And his goal is to create the optimal pig for Hawaiian cooking. Damn, there are a lot of laughs in this one. They got me kind of drunk. Towards the end of it, you'll listen. I start repeating the questions that I ask. I start slurring my words. It was the first time it, it, it really happened where I noticed myself get too drunk on a podcast. But hey, we live, we learn, and uh, Brandon and Justin carried it. In this conversation, we talk about the history of Hawaiian agriculture. We talk about the Ahupua'a system. We talk about artificial insemination and much, much more. If you like this podcast, please take two minutes and give it a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps me out, and it's very simple. All you need to do is press the search button on your phone if you're on iTunes. Type in The Kyle Tierman Show. Even if you're on it already, it'll take you to a different page. Click The Kyle Tierman Show, and then there's a place where you can leave a review. Thank you so much, and if you want to get in touch with me, head over to my website, kyle.surf, where you can give me feedback on the show recommend new guests, or just stop by to say hello. All right, please welcome the pig farmer and the pig hunter, Brendan and Justin Lee. Kyle Chairman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Hello. You serenade. Is it me you're looking for? Look at that harmony. He's natural too over there. Uh, yeah, I have a restaurant. I had a restaurant first, and you know, once you're trying to differentiate yourself in the competitive world of restaurants, right? The restaurant is a moving puzzle that you always have to attack with cost of food, with service somebody's arguing with somebody else you want the most personality you can get in the front of the house but when you add a lot of people with personality they start uh fucking each other so that gets awkward quick you know so you have to be able to balance all these sorts of things and make yourself better and different and then i was thinking oh okay so we started looking for the best lamb in the world um we ended up finding it in new zealand we were looking for the best steak we could find we found it in nebraska shrimp Kauai was growing great shrimp and then I thought, you know, I didn't really know about pork that much. And then I thought, uh, I went out to Fogline Farms in Santa Cruz. 
uh, the boys over there were kidding. Yeah, we have a lot of mutual friends out there. That was yeah. impressive. Because I knew about you, and I had seen the, um, the a porn. short story. I hadn't seen the porn yet. <laughs> You'd send that to me later. No, I saw the, the story that um, the food website um had done on you what, what's that called again eater it's on eater.com. eater i'm gonna put that on on our website but um i was i was really impressed with the work that you had done on rotational grazing and raising pigs but i do want you to get back to the restaurant story because i think that that is a good preamble to then when we're going to get into pigs and what you're doing now but you were in the restaurant world and you were trying to navigate it which is I, I know a crazy space. I have a lot of friends who are waiters. I have a number of friends who are trying to get their own restaurants. That's their big goal, really, is to own their own restaurants because that's when you can start to make money doing it rather than working for someone else. <clears throat> and uh, there are a lot of moving parts in addition to just cooking good food. I know that. Yeah, I mean, um, when your food is really good, you can get away with a lot. But there's still a full package. It's an experience. I mean, um, I pay attention to the weather, what, what guests are going to be like when the weather's tough, when it's windy. Uh, I pay attention to what type of music is in the background. If we have live music, I make sure that they're not intruding and they're adding. They're not the center of attention, but they're adding to the atmosphere. You know, I really get into the flow of the restaurant. Um, nobody's running or walking. You know, I mean, everybody's paced. Nobody looks frantic. I, I really try to keep things calm because um, that'll keep all the guests calm. You know, so in that kind of detail and then using that same kind of detail in the kitchen you have to start to use the best products available and first you want to try and find anything close because the best products come out with the freshness if things are really really fresh it's really you don't have to do much you can eat it raw and it's fantastic so you try to find whatever's great closest to you and then you work your way out after i found out that hawaii people eat the worst pork in the country I mean, honestly, we eat the worst pork in the country, and pork is a big deal in Hawaii. It's huge. Filipinos love pork. Adobo all day. Filipinos will suck a pork penis. <laughs> They'll do it because I heard it's saltier than normal. But they love it. It's what, chewy. Why does uh, chewy? Why does pig? Why, why does pig uh, have? Why does Hawaii um, have the worst pig? Because the pigs come from the mainland. 85% of everything consumed in Hawaii nowadays is brought in from somewhere else. 85% is brought in. There was a time when the populations were similar and we brought in nothing. It was 100% sustainable. So you're talking about the most isolated landmass. Okay, so this is the big difference. And this is a big rant for me, so get ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this is what I want to talk about. This is, the, this is the main thing that I want to learn about. Because before we get into this, I'll just say my understanding of it is that Hawaii has some of the worst invasive pig problem, problems in the world. And more than just about anywhere that I've ever heard of in the world, the hunting of pigs is necessary for the island. So why is it that so much is, is imported? Get so, into the rant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go for a second. Okay, okay. So, so this, is how, this is how it works. To me, and this is my opinion, 100%, I'm an idiot, so let's just get that clear. I learned everything on YouTube. So And his middle brother. He taught me nothing. Okay. Hawaii is... The first people that came to Hawaii, 700 AD, came from the Marquesas Islands. Okay. This is 
one theory. Now, there's a whole mythological part of Hawaiian history that I'm not going to get into with Maui and part of what we see on Moana and all that. Anyway, <clears throat> the Disney movie. But 700 AD, they don't know how many people exactly. And if somebody knows, please contact Kyle and let him know. And if anything you guys can correct, I'd love to know because I love this history. And this is the history of the beginning of Hawaii. Okay, the beginning. Hawaii is the most isolated landmass in the world. So to land on this spot is a big deal. So the first groups that left. Now, the theories, first of all, of why they left. Oh, they were scared and they left or... or you know, um, there was war and the, and the weaker people had to leave first. That's a very Western way of thinking. I'm thinking more of a utopic style. Um, they understood that sustainability was proper and they were on small islands at the place. They were looking for more islands. Okay. Nothing um, has been proven. These are all just nothing. theories at this yeah, point. Yeah, I would love to know if people have more information on this. Yeah, stuff. usually the story of Hawaii stops at, well, the ancient Polynesians right. rode over, but no one really asks that question why. Right. So, okay, so then the first group comes over. They don't know if it was five people, 20 people, 100 people, right? It couldn't have been much more than that, probably. Come and they finally land on the islands here, roughly around 700 AD. So now when you get to Hawaii with 50 people, what's happening? You've landed on this weird island that's f covered in birds, wildlife, forests all the way up to the ocean, and you're really just in awe. The biggest trees you've ever seen are much smaller than you have ever seen, so, I mean, at home. Now you're coming upon this place that has 150-foot koa canopies and this place that's untouched and full of ground birds and, and, and all kinds of animals, but no mosquitoes, no centipedes, no nothing, you know? Those things can't live to get over there. They don't live long enough. Mosquitoes came in on top of uh, 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 boats where they had stagnant water. That was the only way they could get there. What were the theories of what was here when the first, now, uh, first Hawaiians got here? Well, it, it, Justin's Trees, working on the forest. Right, a couple, giant uh, dry land forest. A couple birds. A bunch of birds, covered in birds, right? These are the only things that can get here. Uh, seals and stuff that were on the ocean that were coming onto the beaches exactly they had to crawl they had to swim here or they had to fly here so you're, you're, there's no pigs there's no mammals really no, there's no don't. monkey there's no there's no nothing like that so now the, this this first 50 uh get over here and they have some things to plant with them and they also brought a pig uh, well do you think they came that first trip they came out they were like they were ready whatever they landed oh, on they were ready they had to have come back to no, go no. back to Tahiti first or no they no no here? they had to they had to leave wherever they were at because they didn't know that they were going to hit something they were just going north so they had these floating gardens and those types of oh, things I thought they like came up here they're like oh shit found an island let's go back and get some people in the okay so here. if you did that you left and then came back that takes time yeah on a canoe like that months and then you're trying to convince another group to come over so what would happen is you'd have to come you'd have to re-get all your goodies back up again mm -hmm. to have enough resources to make the trip back because yeah. by the time you're finding an island i mean you've drank all the water you know what i mean you're yeah. trying to catch rainwater at this point you've eaten a lot of the food you know you've already gone through most of the pigs you know and yeah. it's a long journey way longer than they thought it would be yeah. so and the pigs. How they, long do they estimate the initial journey? Well, to, they, they to do it. Here? They do it now. I don't know what it is. Justin, but, Google that. But how now, long it takes Hokulia to get down there? Now they a know week. the exact course to go. You know, right? When we, you're searching, it's a straight line. You know, like I'm going to follow this star to this star, to this star. When you're searching, you're not going in a straight line, right? Yeah, nobody's covering there as much ocean as possible. So I'm sure they zigzag back and forth. They didn't be like, I'm going. 2,000 miles in this direction. Do, do we believe, or um, this may just be too long ago for us to have any idea, but do we believe that that the initial um, 
sailors came over. Are they considered sailors? I don't know. The, voyagers. Uh, initial voyagers. Explorers. Initial yeah. explorers came over um, and got to a certain point, which is 2,000 miles away from any other landmass, with enough food to get back. Or is that way too long ago for us to have any idea? Because the, I, it, that's really interesting in terms of thinking about the mindset of these people when the, we're like, we're going. Yeah. We're like, like imagine if like Justin, you and me, were like, dude, let's let's build something and let's just go. We have no idea if there's anything out there, but it's going to take a couple weeks to get there, yeah. and we're just going to follow this think, one star. I think that's well, what Brandon was pointing on us. There's two, you know, there's two different types of ways they could have gone. They could have been like voyages that were like, okay, I'm going to go out for a week come back okay there's nothing a week later i'm gonna get more supplies i'm gonna go out for two weeks come back or there's the there is so much turmoil turmoil where they're at yolo yolo exactly we're getting the fuck out let's (laughs) go there's so much shit going on back there bro let's just go let's grab as many pigs as we can fit on this canoe let's grab all the hottest chicks we can you and me let's go (laughs) okay so yeah so you go so say you get there right you get to hawaii you got you 10 of your buddies and 20 hot chicks Okay, so everybody's got two of you. Now I'm like, God, I don't have enough podcasts downloaded for this eight-hour flight I have coming on. What oh, am yeah. I going to do? Yeah. Okay, so you get like, there. God, the airplane bathroom gets so gross after hour so- five. <laughs> it does smell. It's a mixing of chemicals. Right, no, it's get, get, You're about to get on something okay, great. So say, great. I say, can it's, tell. say it's us three. We get on an island. This is literally a survival, right? Yeah. Um, Justin, naturally, you're great at catching shit right you're really good at catching shit and maybe kyle you can grow shit right so we all leave like all right just you take the bow and arrow uh kyle you take the the plants see if you can grow some sweet potato oh, yeah. i'm gonna pro populate the island no. i got this everybody <laughs> while, has you a guys, role. while you guys are catching food for me and while you're growing food for me i'm gonna make more of you guys i'm a fantastic delegator <laughs> no but then say i i decide to take another spot and i find this um uh this oasis type area and i create the ahupua system you see so the Ahupua system, if you don't know what it is, it's basically a plot of land that goes covers a large section of an island, whether it's from the mountain to the ocean. It's from the mountain to the ocean, but how wide it is. But it basically, you can get you can survive on this plot. Right, sustainable. You got the mountain, ocean, and we'll get more into the Ahupua in a second because this is a big deal. So this sustainable system that they created, this one guy maybe created, he's like, no, no, no. You guys need to do what I'm doing. This is a sustainable way. I can feed my whole family with this. And this guy's like, well, I got three sweet potatoes sprouted, so let's do what you're doing. Okay, so we start going around, and I'm we're all working together. It's utopic at this point, right? We're just trying to fucking survive. Mm-hmm. We're impregnating bitches, and we're trying to survive. And, it, and it's recorded that maybe some people went back, but, I mean, when you went back, you had to convince these people on the other island, like, no, I found a spot. It's just... we it, you know, it's only 18 days of a boat ride up the hill. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? You have to convince a group of people. And they're like, bro, that guy came back. He's fucking out of his mind. He said they found birds that just run on the ground. They can't fly. You know, <laughs> yeah. right. You're trying to tell, you got to convince people again. And then something's going to happen. And now let's go and take the next group. So, the- so uh, remi- go back again to where um, people predict uh, the initial Hawaiians were coming from Marquesas, Marquesas Islands, Island. 700 AD. That's near and Tahiti. What, what does that look like? Yeah, it's right around Tahiti. Do, do we have an idea of what that looked like compared to what Hawaii well, looked it's a lot. like? It's southern, southern Pacific islands. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's probably a lot. They didn't like have the trees like we have here. Right. We didn't the have the huge trees. trees. Right. Because I mean, right. it was like rocking up on Pandora and right. Avatar. For real. And you're like, 
<laughs> unreal birds that aren't don't exist anymore finches and sucklings and i mean it was fruit full of fruit and things that were yeah. already feeding everything there but you're, you're you're creating so there's there's us so we decide so eventually like okay oh look um uh, King, uh, no, Brandon has King figured. Brandon. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm going to give it in a second. Hold on. Okay, so Brandon's come up with this idea, the hum, uh, the oh, well, system, and uh, it's really working out. But I tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take care of Brandon's farm, and I'm going to let him help everybody. And there's the first king. You're talking about the guy that knows the system and is good with people and it works really well with everybody and it's really happy and beautiful and it's really easy and uh, I'm going to work for his farm and everybody gets fed and he's going to make sure everybody works together well. There's your first king. And now you talk about the next group of people which is like 1200 AD. So you're talking another 500 years before the people from New Zealand come up. Now some people think like... New Zealand? New Zealand. How would I not know this? Bro, keep the fuck up. I don't know who's... It's probably mine. <laughs> yeah. It's probably mine. Surrey. Yeah, everyone turn their phone Surrey, down. shut up. Yeah, all right. Shut up, Surrey. You, you just got me out of a story, uh, 700 AD. Okay, so the next group is 1280. Yeah. 500 years... This is... How many grandpas is that? That's like fucking eight grandpas. <laughs> eight grandpas later. No, eight grandpas. <laughs> Bro, three grandpas Wait, so, ago, so, so, three grandpas so, so, ago, there's so, black people getting just worked so, with whips. So we're talking eight grandpas. Yeah, it was a, a long, long time, time ago, and and uh, in terms of where we're sitting right now, the Big Island, which is the newest island, at that point, what did this island look like? The same, because the this, same. The it same. takes way longer than that. Really, way longer. Okay, than so that. none yeah, of these islands really. had changed. Yeah, none they of look these the same shape. Maybe there's a big much. chunk that fell off, and there's right. some legend story right. where well, Maui came up and pulled the sun or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's interesting in the sense that people talk about the Hawaiian Islands as like, well, Kauai is a much older island than the Big Island because of time you're right. talking 10 million yeah 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 it's yeah. so it's like the difference between when those people showed up and when those people showed up to when those people showed up and when we had dinosaurs yeah right which it's is a, a big difference in big time difference. so when we had dinosaurs the hawaiian islands probably looked much much different maybe not here the plate tectonics yeah. and split in the right way even yet you know you don't know at that point because that's what we are we're a plate tectonic that moves northwest on a hot spot that continually pumps lava and it specks out these islands and then the, the atolls are the oldest version of an island because the Hawaiian Islands go almost halfway to Japan. You know, you got Midway, you got thousands of islands, right? In the northwestern Hawaiian Islands, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's eventually what's going to happen. You know, they as they're moving off the hotspot, they're going to start deteriorating, falling down, falling down, falling down. And the coral itself starts to build up on the outside. Yeah, and it right, wasn't like right. when the Hawaiians got here, the lava was still hot. Right. I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't want to detour yeah. you from this timeline because I want to keep going on it for a little, bit, yeah, yeah. For a little while longer. But, but northwestern Hawaiian Islands, like Midway and like uh, the like atolls, uh, Jar- Jarvin, Jarvis. Jarvis? I don't know which is the one Tan was at. I think it was. Yeah, one of, I think it's called Jarvis, right? Mm. The, yeah, it could be. How, do you know how far it's those Spanish, ones? Spanish, it's harvest. Damn it, why don't we have a research for, 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 Google. for this Google. podcast yet? Got it. Google. Google. Um, uh, yeah, I want to find. I want to know how far those islands are away from here. Because when most people think about the Hawaiian Islands, they think about these main ones. Right. And, it, um, and, and it's, But there are a few up in the far northwest that are obviously closer than 2,000 miles away, which is the known thing of like, oh, they're toys 2,000 miles away from any other landmass. Right. And, and there is another island that's already started that's out in the middle of the ocean it's gonna the next big island you know what i mean it's starting it's underwater and it's building as we speak right now that's the next island in the row of how things work and it's gonna take what's it called loihi 
something like that. Yeah, Louis- my Hawaiian. Yeah, but it did. But they named it because. But it's, it's still it's underwater still, at this. It's point. still a thousand feet below surface. They don't know if it's. I mean, it, it could come up because there's a lot of what we call seamounts that are around the islands. That's where we a lot of people go fishing. Is it's these islands that just didn't make it to the surface. They didn't make it all because we're at the de- one of the deepest parts of the ocean. You know, like if you if you drain the ocean and you saw Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa as a full mountain as from the ground floor up, we would trump trump. <laughs> <laughs> you would. Eclipse Mount Fuji and whatever Ooh. the highest mountains are in the world. That would be Everest, like, bro. No, Everest isn't the highest. Okay, sorry. Everest but, is the highest. Is it the highest? <laughs> yeah. Everest is the highest, but there are a lot I of. That cra- is the highest. Sometimes they like, let dumb people talk and just. No, but there are, there are a bunch of crazy stats about how deep the submarine yeah. canyons are. Um, oh right, that, right, right. That you're the teaching submarine. me about. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where all the good waves are in the world. It's because there's yeah. this huge mountain and that's underwater that we call a canyon that allows swell to move in and not disseminate before it hits us which is why a lot of the best waves in the world whether it be Nazare or Puerto Escondido have these submarine canyons outside of them and you're oh, saying so that, ho- that Hawaii yeah. is ha- has such deep is it canyons oh. outside or it's just very very deep water Explain I don't the, know okay I don't know what the, but, I don't know because we don't have the Mariana Trench is that what it's called the no, but what, what we are is just the speck know. of islands in the middle of the, the it, center of the Pacific yeah. Ocean. Yes. The center. Yes. I mean, if you look at a lake, there's a center of the lake, there's the deepest point. We would be the deepest point, but just what happened, we get a little spout that comes out and comes out lava all the time, and it just spews and it hardens and it comes out a little more and it spews. And it. Yeah. It's, but, it's so wild to actually see that here for yeah. someone who isn't from here to be even for us it's from here to be driving around and to see new lava spouting up from the center of the earth mm-hmm. um it's real yeah it's 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 really uh interesting to see the life cycle of so many plants and animals happening so quickly mm-hmm. here because you get so many um the whether it be the breeding cycle of the pig or um a growing season you get what three growing seasons here two on the meta meta scale of seeing lava spewing out right. you're getting to see the timeline and the, the life cycle of the earth mm-hmm. but the problem is that we live such short lives that we don't get to see the life cycle of it's, the earth it's a second as it's yeah as much as um we get to see that here. We get to see yeah. that. There's lava. You see the beginning. Out of this island. That's crazy. Okay. Um, okay. So we we just went off on a crazy no, but I'm still there. Sprawl, I'm still there. Okay. Continue. So, so you end up with your first king. We're ultimately going to get to farming and pigs from this. All the way, bro. Yeah. All the way. We're going to continue <laughs> down this path. So you got the next group of people uh, from New Zealand, 1280, and people say, "Oh, um, there was war." these people came in they're bigger and stronger and they beat up the moo people there's that story and there's the story of oh they came and just took over like sap but the thing is let's think about it guys if we're stuck on a fucking island right the three of us with 30 sluts let's just say we all get 10 <laughs> let's make it the best <laughs> and we're there for 500 years our grandsons 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 what do you think that genetic pool looks like say we fucked up. And that year we were really into flat-chested chicks and we brought 30 flat-chested chicks. Guess what? That New Zealand bitch that's coming over, it's got some big-ass titties. <laughs> we're going to be nice to them. <laughs> we're not warring at that point. 
honestly. Humans wow. become a resource at that point. You can barely handle, you know we got, we're, I'm fucking my cousin at this point, 500 years. Everybody's fucking related. How many people were there on the, on the islands? Place? They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Even yeah. if it was 200. How could we, I guess, right? 200. Yeah. Even if it was 200, you're still going to end up fucking somebody you know. That's like sure. Honaka for 500 years. <laughs> Horrible. So, you know, maybe they brought another 20 every fucking 100 years. I mean, to convince a group of people to go across the ocean to a land that they're talking about, that, oh, there's birds that don't fly and they, like taste, they taste like fucking bacon. Yeah. You know what I mean? What's bacon? I don't know. I think they, they made bacon by them for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's going to take a minute. So then, okay, so now you bring in these first groups and you start creating a, a population. Now, the biggest difference, and this is where we're getting to, is when the first injections of foreign explorers was the first diversion of utopic path that the Hawaiian people were on. And here's the difference. Native Americans, right? Indians. Mm -hmm. Okay, Native Americans. These guys were nomadic background people, right? Yeah. They chased the herds. The buffalo ran in millions, and they chased those herds, and they, you know, and they, and they say some dumb shit like they used every part of the body, and we're supposed to feel happy about that. We do that fucking right now. Yeah. We still use everything except now we use hooves to make glue. We fucking use everything. We make footballs out of pigskins. They used every animal, every part. The wishbone was a slingshot. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, yes. the, this is that's how they did it. But really, they were nomadic. They followed. They didn't cultivate. And then when they finally cultivated, they were so proud. I grew corn. You could whip corn seeds in the front yard of your fucking house right now, and those corn seeds will grow. Yeah, guaranteed. So they weren't. They were taking the easiest versions of. They're thinking the essential. They have to. Right. They walk through the forest. They trudge through and they're spying on elk and they shoot the elk. That's what they were eating and they were dressing themselves. The Hawaiians created the Ahupua'a system, a system of sustainability in one piece of land. Because guess what? If you keep following the herd all the way around the island, you end up in the same fucking spot. Yeah. You're in the same spot again. So guess what? After year 100, you figured out you can't just ruin shit all the way around. You have to cultivate back. And the Ahupua'a system, everybody was in charge of a certain section of that piece of land, mm -hmm. the forest. You were in charge of providing long, straight, beautiful trees to make Canoe. canoes, paddles, surfboards. surfboards. That was your job. You cultivated that thing, which mm -hmm. means you rake the leaves under the tree because that's the best thing. They knew about adding leaves to lois for bio, uh, for um, uh, diversity. What are lois? Soil. Lois, uh, taro, taro, how they grew taro. In different terraces. Is that what it, uh, you still call it now? Yeah. So the loi is uh, another super duper smart system. It's crazy. They, they grew taro in ponds, really yeah. shallow ponds and, and great mud that they threw leaves and different stuff to create what natural, Korean natural farming is the basis of now. Mm -hmm. But they grew it in ponds because guess what don't grow in, in water? Weeds. They do. Well, back in the day. No, no, no. That was the purpose. Now, when the first the first explorers came to Western Explorers, when they wrote about what Hawaii looked like, they called it equivalent to the, the gardens of England. Somebody Google the gardens of England. Those things are fucking magnificent today. <laughs> today, they're beautiful. So if they compared to the gardens of England in Hawaii, 
everything every you walk through the forest you're talking about raked up leaves and beautiful trees and and knowing the symbiotic relationships between the sandalwood tree and the koa tree they knew of all these things way back then they knew how to keep that forest beautiful they knew how to keep the farm beautiful where they keep this the whole island was cultivated Mm -hmm. there was no non-cultivation at that point everything was cultivated from the tip of the fucking mountain all the way to the ocean somebody had was responsible for it fascinating systems that the hawaiians set up very early on oh very very early and i think you know like um at the same time you know people always say like but the Hawaiians were crazy, you know. They, they, the kings would, were savages. They killed each other and made sacrifices. What the fuck were you guys doing? You guys were doing crazier shit, crazy Western stick your head in the fucking guillotine in front of every all the people kind of crazy shit. You know, they, they were they were just right. as equally right. horrid things going on around the world. Now, this is how it goes down: you are living a hundred percent sustainable lifestyle on an island in the middle of the goddamn Pacific Ocean. There's some uh, Walking Dead type decisions you're making. I mean, you're throwing the weak in the ocean and shit. Probably, that's what they say anyway. Right. You know what I mean? You're inbreeding. Your theory, but see, they were trying to create optimum humans without any moral backgrounds. You know, they were just trying to only have the greatest survive. Wow, you know, it's raining so hard outside. Yeah, it's just pounding. Can it, pounding. can it pick up it on the microphone? Can you hear that? A little rain? bit, but yeah. yeah, it's okay. Yeah, so so you're talking about, okay, say, what is the limit? What is the population limit for the planet? Right. We well, well you're, a, you're asking those kinds of questions very early on because right. it's an island, right. so it's this microcosm of the Earth, so you need to figure out very quickly how to be sustainable, how many people can we have on this island, what do we do with waste, like, all these big questions that humanity is asking itself right now, ancient Hawaiians had to ask themselves, which is why, Way early why the, Hawaii is known for such advanced agricultural systems so early on. Exactly, and now they're like, you know... I, so I, that's the theory, is well, that they had to ask themselves these questions, and that's why before, they advanced so early. Because they didn't know other people. Have? Have? Doodoo? I mean, other than doodoo. But just oh, poop in I the water, doo-doo. it blows away. <laughs> it washes away. No, but they would take care of... They would use the doodoo. They would know that doodoo from animals is good for the ground. They probably use their own shit. I would no. assume. I assume that. But what, I mean, you know, now... Everything is biodegradable now we at have that trash. point. You know, yeah, no, but a hundred... You're thinking about the same populations. Same amount yeah. of shit. As we got right now, that's a lot. Same of amount of populations went. Look, look There's up. the same there amount a, of Hawaiian population. Just okay. look that up. There was a stat that said that the population of Hawaii, when Captain Cook came, we just recently pa- surpassed like a hundred thousand people on the island. That's amazing. Yeah, and a hundred percent sustainable. Whoa! So, and the system was so dope. Okay, so say for example, say you're the only people on the planet. You think you're it on your island. You know that there's some some islands down there. You know what I mean? You don't really know that there's an America. You know what I mean? There's no America yet. So the first Captain Cook or these Spaniards or whoever Captain Cook is fucking from, he comes over and uh, they're like, oh, there's these new guys, you know? Like, they don't even know that these people exist. They treat them like gods because they're coming in. Look at the rain. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, to the audience, I hope you know this isn't static. It's <laughs> that we're caught in a violent rainstorm right now on the big island. It's true. And we're talking about a few thousand years prior 
They say that the pl- the population of pure Hawaiians in 1778, when Captain Cook got here, was 300,000. Boom! I wasn't even talking 300,000 people okay. Okay. See, on all islands. the Hawaiian, on, on eight on islands. islands. 300,000 people. Think about that. See? See? Most of the people here right now are tourists, but... The, the population now that call Hawaii residential home is 1.1 million. See, that's that's what three times what it is now. But the Big Island, I think. So you think everybody that you drive around on the Big Island was just spread out through Hawaii. Yeah, see? see? Wow. And that was the year that he arrived in? 1778. 1778. That's like, yes, that's like yesterday. Wow, so he rocks up. Okay, so he's a god. We give him everything. They think he's this a certain god, Lono or something, right? Something. I don't know. He's supposed Fuck. to come on the clouds, and he came on a boat with white, white sails. people. White people. No, white white sails. So they come <laughs> yes. over, right? They're aliens. You're treating them. You're giving them everything. These guys have struck gold with these super nice Aloha spirit type fucking people Chicks that give them tops on. Give them everything. <laughs> then they split to try and find their way back to wherever they were trying to go, India or wherever they're trying to go. I forget the history. Yeah, someplace. They go up. Who cares where they were going? <laughs> Figured out. God wait, damn, wait. We so need to nice. know, J- Justin. Where Google was Google that. Yeah, go- Google where he was coming back to because we can't leave that so part he, out. So he goes up. It starts getting cold supposedly because he heads north into the Aleutians, and then it's like everybody starts getting sick again. Then they head back down and uh, go back to the Hawaiian Islands. But now it's not during the, the certain gods, and he's like sick, and he's like, oh, he's not a god. He's back in the wrong time. Then yeah. the Hawaiians start fucking things because he got here in 1778. They killed him in 1779. Yeah, so he left. Not and came even back. a year later. Wow. So he le- he came, checked it out, said, "Wow, this is paradise. I need to go back." Yeah, or they went up to try it. and find it around. Right? Couldn't find it. And let's skip it. Let's just go back and retire there. Okay. You know, like every other person. But anyway, so <laughs> they they go up and they come back and. So now the, they, they start to settle in and you get the missionaries and they're trying to tell you, no, there's uh, let the Lord in your in your life. The Lord is what you should be thanking. And these gullible Hawaiian guys are like, oh, yeah, we got our own gods. And they're like, no, this is the real God. You it's know. early Christianity. Right. This is all those people telling people we don't know what the fuck we're doing when we already were way more advanced than they were. Just it was their way and the only way, the Western way. You know what I mean? So even though we had all that stuff and they were coming, now the first Hawaiians to go back, to go to the mainland. Who was the first Hawaiian to go to the mainland? Find that one. That's another good Google. But when they go back, they go back and they have a good time and they're checking things out. You know what I mean? The first Hawaiians uh, that went on a boat probably took a long fucking time. They got there and they're like, holy shit, look at all these people. They, they get us stuff. But when they came back, they didn't bring back like agricultural ideas. Like if we found a planet, and there's people living over there, we would fly over and we'd be like, how do they feed their people? You know, how many people are there? We'd be trying right. to f- solve the problems that we have today. You know, they were trying to solve the problems that they have on their island, which wasn't much. Right. You know, and then with ideas that they were about to see, but they brought back like the coats and the hats and they liked their style because we didn't have... Right, so they tried to dress the people. Right, and that's it. And they came back over. Right. Yeah, but I mean... I don't know where Cook was going. He was okay. sailing. He was, <laughs> he was sailing, was sail- according went, to Surrey, sailing. To New Zealand, the eastern part of Australia, Papua New Guinea, and then he rolled up on Oahu, and then he went into Waimea Bay, and then a year later, showed up in Kealakekua Bay. But they thought he, yes, they thought he was God Lono. Oh, see? see? Boom. That's some 10th grade. Yeah. Fertility Hawaiian God history. of the Hawaiians. Fertility God. Mm. Not only, <laughs> that's some timing. Not only, imagine if you showed up to an island, the first 
guy, white guy ever, thinking you're a god, not any god, you're the fertility god. No wonder you wanted to come back. Yeah. He fucked everybody on the island. <laughs> what was the population? 300,000? He got a good 100,000. <laughs> he got a good 100,000. The fertility god? Are you joking? His only It wasn't even like a session. It was blessing people with his dick. He stuck his dick out fully erect and everybody got one pump and they lined up for miles and gave flowers. It sounds like too short. Yeah, similar to that. Okay, so he left. He came back. Then he got sick, and well, he they, got he got everybody sick. And he got he got everyone sick. That was a, a, a lot of Hawaiians died from disease. Back yeah, then. just that like just like the issue. Native Americans. Yeah. The Native Americans was like ninety percent of the population. You know yeah, that? something like crazy like that. But same thing that we weren't ready for the the sicknesses and the colds and the flus I mean, and shit and took everybody out. So, you know, nowadays, fuck, I only know like I don't even know. But I only met a few pure Hawaiians. Do you know any, Just? Yep. You asshole. You're a liar. You do too. I don't. Who? Uncle Gordon. I don't know. Kalani Opio. Jimmy Jean's dad. Oh. But yeah. it's, yeah, but it's, it, it's rare. We were talking about this last night when we were chatting about yeah. how it's become this melting pot and the Portuguese and the Filipino yeah. and a, a ton of uh, Japanese, a ton of other cultures. Yeah. Um, and nationalities came here, and that's how pidgin was formed, was as this melting pot language for all of those um, different cultures coming here. So I want to jump forward now oh. to um, kind of the world re-examining Hawaii into what it is that you're doing with agriculture, because that has been this, a central thread through Hawaii um, from the beginning of when people first started coming here is agriculture, is how they figured out how to grow things sustainably back then, and now the plight of someone like you to try and grow something sustainably now. So right now, because of the story I just told you, I believe the ability to make the whole planet sustainable is within the history of Hawaiian people. It's within our history. Somewhere that's got to be documented of how to put this down and how to make an island 100% sustainable. As of right now, it would be impossible for us to do it. Leave, right. leave 300,000 people amongst all these islands and make it sustainable, it would struggle. It would have a hard time. We could probably pull it off maybe. But that, you know, Hawaii could be this experimental spot where, okay, let's try and create utopia. Let's try and create the most sustainable place. And I think Ellison's trying to do it on Lanai. He's just... He's just trying to make that place the most amazing resort ever for the richest people in the world. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. Make a lot of money. Ellison bought Lanai a few years ago, and he's making a bunch of. Um, so Ellison bought yeah Lanai a few years ago. I don't know how. But many this guy's got a bunch of money, and what he did is he bought an island. And he's trying to make it sustainable, and you know what? Super rich people want to hang out at a sustainable spot. <laughs> it's added marketing. So that being said. That's what, that's what the people of Hawaii before now has done a good job. The marketing idea of Hawaii, the brand Hawaii. Bro, if I hold an avocado, one from Hawaii and one from fucking Mexico, you're not only going to pick the one from Hawaii, you're going to pay an extra quarter for that fucking avocado from Hawaii. Right. That goes to say in every product. So when I decided to create sustainability, and if I'm pushing all that idea... Hawaiians have a strong idea of we would like to be independent. The only way Hawaii can become independent is if we 
are sustainable and no longer dependent on anybody. Right. Currently, we are dependent on everybody. 85% is consumed is brought in, all this stuff. If we're going to get to be a place where we can consider ourselves our own little country and nobody can fuck with us, we have to be no longer dependent on anybody. Right. So, I mean, that that just brings up a whole nother deal of, of where Hawaii is. You think that's and, what the goal is? What? You think Hawaii wants to be isolated, be its own country? Because well, you, know, you got so many... You know, local activists, local Hawaiian activists that have 10 different goals. I'm going to hit you straight, bro. All those local activists, all they're doing is not knowing how to sell the idea of, or why we want to be independent. Mm. The real reason we want to be independent, to me, okay, that I think we should be pushing and how we could get our independence. Not only could we create our own monies through you know, tourism or whatever or, or lease out the land of whoever's controlling. One of the biggest and scariest things about living here in Hawaii is we're a trophy for the planet. You ready for this? Let's hear it. You ready for this? I'm, yeah, I'm ready. Go for it. Okay. We are the first place trophy for the whole planet. If you're the baddest, strongest country, got the craziest military, the baddest motherfuckers on the planet, like America is right now, you get to own Hawaii. If Russia becomes the strongest, baddest, everything, guess who owns Hawaii? Russia's going to own Hawaii because, because we're a beautiful sanctuary. (laughs) We create a lot of money through tourism in taxes. We're the an amazing military position and we're beautiful as fuck out here owning hawaii is like saying i'm the fucking king of the planet i own hawaii guaranteed what happened japan got a little fucking cocky first thing they did tried to bomb our shit what we do instantly nuked them <laughs> fuck you hawaii's ours asshole so so let's let's get back to why you think Hawaii has been branded incorrectly. No, it's it's branded oh, correctly. It's branded correctly as being paradise. paradise. People want to go here. It's the postcard. I just sent home a postcard to my girlfriend on a fucking coconut. It was actually the snow mountain. <laughs> you see, but, you see? <laughs> but um, where does that go with? As you're talking about Hawaii being the center of agriculture and independent, independent, because you, you're saying Hawaii needs to become independent agriculturally to become independent nationally. That's the it's the center of everything. It's how we get our food. It's how we get our water. And if Hawaii can become sustainable agriculturally, it's positioned in a very powerful place. Well, it makes us more malleable. We're able to conform to whatever the future may behold for Hawaii. If we can sustain ourselves f- with food, with tourism, like we all know if bombs start going off over here, tourism's out the window. Nobody's going to travel here. One bombing at Pearl Harbor, what do you think that did to tourism in Hawaii? Nobody was fucking coming here. For how long? That's a fucking very, you know. But if you got agriculture and you got good things growing and you got things happening, now you're talking about independence because the world could shut off and you can sustain yourself, sustain oh, the people. Gotcha, gotcha. So where are we right now? in terms of agriculture and in terms of how you two both fit into this picture? We're in the beginning stages of trying to create the correct agriculture for Hawaii. Um, 
What do you What do you do? What does that mean? Bring Bring me into your day to day life. So I grow pasture raised Berkshire hogs on a rotational grazing system. They're beautiful hogs. They're beautiful hogs. I am the middle of the ahupua. <laughs> I am trying to create the highest quality pork that's available in the world. Okay, uh, England has something like the royal herd. You know, that's only good for the queen. I'm creating the world her- the royal herd for Hawaii. What, um, is it, what does that look like? Okay, so I won a competition called the Mahiai Matchup. That's how I started farming. What they did was just showed a plot of land on every single island. And whoever the most innovative and best idea for the plot of land uh, got the land for free and some money. So I won. I got second the first year. And um, I started this rotational grazing system idea. And I'm trying to create, and my motivation behind it all is if I was working for the king, like Kamehameha himself came to me and was like, Brad, I got 20 acres. I want you to create me the royal herd. So, like any good guy that's creating the royal herd, I have to scour the earth because that's the technology I have right now for the best pig, the pig that's best for the situation. Bring those over here. I started off with six piglets, girl piglets, from Santa Rosa, California. At first, they were going to come from Creston, Canada. But pigs don't sweat, and if they come from the super cold to the super hot, they die. I didn't know about that until I talked to Department Ag. Now, mind you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to get deep into pigs right now. I can oh, tell. Oh, it's a learning process. It's going 100%. on? 100%. No, so learning process. In Santa Rosa, which is just north of Santa Cruz, right. where I live. Right. So I went I went to Fogline Farms in Santa Cruz. They were doing a great job. I said, oh, Hawaii needs this. Hawaii needs sustainability again. Hawaii needs the best quality again. Hawaii needs to be represented as agriculture again. I'm going to create a farm a homestead idea of farming, which is the same thing that Joe Salatin and the rest of people across the country are doing, mixed in with what I know about Hawaiian history. I created an idea of creating the best version of pig. In Japan, they have the kurobota pork. It's the same pig variety that's raised a certain way. Patanegra, another black pig that's raised a certain way. They're fed acorns. My pigs are fed macadamia nuts and sweet potatoes. You know what I mean? So it's an idea of how people raise this same certain pig all over the world, I picked the exact same pig that's de- passed around the world to raise in their way, and their cultural way, and I'm raising my pig, my cultural way, with the same pig everybody else did way back in the day. And you only can do this pasteurized pig with a black pig, or else they get sunburned. Sunburned. So I started with six girl pigs. Six girl pigs, it was two from three different litters from Santa Rosa, California. They're called, they're part of the ABA 100% certification program, and, uh, in fact, it was the second time I tried to do it because the first time, the first herd, there was one piglet that was blind in the litter. So I didn't take that J- because... Justin was saying that the first year that you started raising pigs, you ran into every problem that farmers run oh, into everything. in a 10-year period. The most awesome one is one of his piglets was born without a butthole. That happens. <laughs> and you know what the vet told him? Just cut. And if, there's, if poop comes out, you're good. You made it a butthole. If it doesn't... <gasps> Cut its throat. I had to do surgery. Oh, good God. I did surgery. I did surgery. Oh, no, God, we're going to get... Okay, gonna, so I, can, you know, I can tell right now. I'm with, okay. I'm with a hunter and a pig farmer. We're going to get okay. so real well, right now on animals. Let's do this okay. right now. No, was, Justin yeah. is a savage. This guy kills things. Okay, when we were younger, my mom thought there was a problem. See, the reason Justin's such a savage hunter-diver is when he was young, he sucked horribly. He couldn't shoot anything with his bow five feet from front of him. For real. 
he would get so excited he couldn't shoot he would be aiming down and he would miss i promise to god and i would nail things from a million feet away Millions with a bow and arrow. That's no exaggeration. He blocked out the sun. Once. So I would. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy that we're not doing hyperboles on this podcast. <laughs> so I, you know, he was really horrible at. It, so it made him actually like try to be good at it. And it took him a while. And he and he never caught anything. But then my mom's like, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't want to kill the animals. And I go, that's not the reason. That's <laughs> what not did the, I do with the first so, goat I shot? Yeah, the first goat he <laughs> shot. He skins the face off. <laughs> What? Of the fucking goat to get the skull. He wanted the white skull with the horns. How old are you? Fucking eleven. Half years old. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so, 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 he so was you a, were good. He, he was a he, savage, but me, no, not good. I just you got psyched. No, I wasn't into you were it. I wasn't into killing things. Okay, I'm a pussy. I can't make a fence. I have a hard time tying a hook. I don't feed my dog. Like, there's a lot of shit that I'm not good at, which makes a lot of reasons why I shouldn't be a farmer. But I like YouTube, and I like I'm interested in things, and I get passionate, I get fucking crazy about things, and I some reason got crazy about pigs, and I don't know why. And honestly, pigs kind of you know they make me scared when they get they start making noise and getting restless. I back up. Justin grabs back legs. Yeah. You know I don't <laughs> I don't do that. I'm not like him. Um. At y- all. Yeah, okay. I, I know. Even before I met him, uh, I the way that I met Justin was when I was coming out on a shoot to do a story on the impact that pigs are having on coral through land erosion out here. Mm, yeah. And I, I hit him up through a friend of a friend and he, I was, Hey, would you be interested in going and doing this? Oh yeah, absolutely. We can go on a bow hunt one night and then the next morning we'll get a pig for you and, and we'll flip it over by the back legs. Then you can take it with a knife. And I'm like, <laughs> that's too we, we, Yeah. I'm like, that's we've, ex- we've exchanged like 20 words so far. <laughs> That's Tuesday. Well, you know what? Uh, no. Us growing the way we grew up, my dad would give his truck. He would give every. Even that's the way we are now. Like no, no, that yeah, we've yeah. we've talked about this. There, there is a, a normalcy that comes from growing up here. So, yeah. what fascinated you about pigs? Uh, how good they could taste. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about that. And at that time, I already was in the, in the the, the restaurant business, and I was in search of things that were exceptional. Yeah. And when I tasted Fogline's pork, I was like, "Fuck, this is way better than anything I've ever tried." How is it better? Um, Cleaner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cleaner. Um, just when you eat cow yolk or those like roast pork pieces or a piece of bacon, uh, say the bacon's cut super thick. Right. Sometimes you get those chunks. Right, where right. It's right. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. My pigs don't have that because my fat grows in the muscle of it. So when you bite into it, oh, it's always softer. It's what always that? marbled. That's from keeping animals having the ability to roam. Huh. When you got them roam, they look leaner. They look like there's less fat on the outside, but all the fat is in the muscle. And that's where you want it. That's when you can cook a ribeye steak, like a well-marbled ribeye steak. Right. It's the same thing. You cook it like a medium. You right. don't have to. You don't have to cook it all. The time. I've only fed it clean stuff, so it's not going to have any kind of like. Is it similar to how a human who doesn't exercise would have more on fat? the outside? Yeah. Whereas like, if if they're leaner because they're moving around, they don't have as much exactly. fat right there. Exactly. Okay. Just like that humans, makes sense. you sit down. And eat chips all day. Your fat's gonna grow on the outside of your body. Gotcha. You're not gonna. You mean we all get, you know, Isla. <laughs> oh, Joey Charbonneau has stepped into the house. You're in the, you're in the middle of a podcast, and we're just getting good. We're talking about pigs. I fucking love that guy. Okay. 
Okay, so yeah, we're getting we're getting deep into the okay, anatomy so of pigs, and why? Because that's random. If you say that you were not interested in hunting growing up, you weren't interested in no, fishing. No. It was your brother who would do that, but now you well, but, are fascinated with pigs, and I I do think that they are a fascinating animal. But I want to know why. Okay, so I started I started, and I was curious about becoming the best restaurant. In that case, becoming the best creating one of the best products which could help in, in marketing the restaurant but as i got into like that i figured out well I'm, I'm doing exactly what in history they were doing i'm trying to figure out the best way to raise an animal the healthiest way and the healthiest way for the island mm-hmm. and, and and having to to create a free-range pig farm in hawaii where it's never been done before on the big island mm-hmm. they what are you going to do with the waste? Well, when the ancient we, Polynesians first came here, they had free range. Right, but I'm saying like nowadays, nowadays. to yeah. get through the Department of Health, you have to have a waste management plan. What's your waste management plan? Heavy rotational grazing is my waste management. I'm going to move them enough that they'll never have a lot of poop in one area. Right. Huh. They'll never get those diseases. They'll never get that stuff. The fleas will never catch up. And they're not going to get parasites because of my rotational process. That's the idea. You tell that to somebody that doesn't know anything about that, they don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so the idea is that things just don't catch up. You keep moving them, and they never get it. Parasites never grow because they never get a chance to step and eat their own shit. You know what I mean? They're not. They're eating clean stuff all the time, and they're moving away from their poop. They're never sitting in their poop. They're never making giant mud wallows. Even if it's pouring rain tonight, tomorrow, I'm going to go to the farm, and I'm going to move them to a new spot. So that they're not in the mud that they create made. How last far night. do you move them from one spot to the next? Right next door, a hundred. Or a strand of electric fence separates. I them train from those all pigs the from when they're piglets so that they respect one wire of fence. It's a process. And do you move the electrical wire from one area to the next area? Yep. yep. Okay, so you'll have a stake, you'll have electrical wire, another stake, uh, obviously four. So you'll keep yep. them in some kind. Mm-hmm. And how big of a pen do you keep them in? Um, I, it depends on the group. If I have a big, heavy group, say there's eight of them in there, I'll make the pens, you know, 100 feet by 300 feet. If I only have two mommies that I'm waiting for them to give birth, I'll give them 100 by 100. Okay. And then how often do you uh, rotate them? Depending on the land and the weather. Like right now, it's pounding rain. We can hear it. Yeah. They have to move. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, I got to move them tomorrow. Why? Because they're gonna t- the ground becomes soft and full of mud. And they'll keep rooting and rooting and getting in their mud. Now, when the mud is full of their poop wastes, right, and yeah. it goes in their mouth, that's how you create parasites. So I don't want that to happen. <clears throat> so I'm going to move them to new grass. They can root until, and they can stay there for five days before they start. Because pigs p- poop in one area, usually. If they right. got the time, they'll poop in the same spot all the time. Away from their area, you know, where they sleep or whatever. They try the to keep it in one zone. Pigs do... They're clean, man. ...try not to shit uh, yeah, where they I'm eat <laughs> yeah. as best they can, but but we live in this world where they're kept in such oh. small spaces where a lot of times they're in their own feces. Exactly. And if you ever, like... You ever Google pig farm, you're going to come up with the grossest version of farming there is. Hundreds of pigs in one room that never see daylight on one on farming. top of each other. They barely move. They get fed water. It must smell like fucking Justin shit. Horrible. <laughs> Deep. Mixed with all kinds of meats. Deer meat. Elk meat could be in there. But those guys, you're, you know, it's you're, just... You're stink. confusing people. There's no deer or elk in factory farms. It's pigs No, stacked. no, but I'm saying just the smell of what right. it is. Then all their excrements go down in this grate and it gets pushed out and they keep it in a pond right outside the thing and then they try and spray that out everywhere thinking that's going to help everything but 
you can end up with dead zones the whole bit. But anyway, so you you, you take yeah, that, that's a big issue that we have in a lot of states in in America is that it's um, polluting the drinking water sources because there's so much shit coming out into these ponds that um, that it's getting into the drinking water. So there's it, a there's a great story on Vice HBO um, about factory farming. Uh, and, and they go into there. They go into one of the helicopters, and they fly above a lot of these these ponds that are nothing gross. F- that are so disgusting. It's yeah. it it looks surreal from above. No fish, no vegetation, nothing grows. Now we live on an island surrounded by salt water. If we fuck up our water system, and nothing grows, you're talking about a desolate island. You got cold lava on your hands. What it is now because they bombed the shit out of it. Oh, you yeah. cannot even use it. So we have to pay attention on how we do things. We can't add a confinement farming pig farm here. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't add that. So you're moving these pigs. Boom, boom, boom. So yeah. they're... <clears throat> they're um, Tilling. Rooting. Tilling. They're rooting. They're pooping. You move them to a new spot. What are they then eating? It's grass? Yeah. So I got grasses. I got a bunch of different types of grasses. And yeah. High protein stuff. I got some legumes. You know, some high protein legumes that I grow in there. But then right. you got the chickens that follow the... Right. So, so just just a, a quick backup for people who who have no idea about pig patterns is that they're constantly rooting. So there are these live rototillers, and that's one of the big issues that they that they have when pigs get into watersheds because they dig up all of the native vegetation, and then it creates these big mud plumes that go out yeah. into the ocean, and it kills the coral. the coral. So, it, but it doesn't matter where they are. They are these live rototillers, and you're then constantly trying to move these rototillers so that when they move, right. new vegetation can grow that's exactly right so knowing that we know the animal likes to till and root and it's detrimental to the island how about we use that ability that they do it and make it progressive for the island okay okay that's the idea you and this, and this hasn't been done so before there's no plot plots of land on any of on any of the Hawaiian islands or is it on the big island no nowhere nowhere, nowhere. where you're doing rotational grazing yeah yeah this is a whole new game for how big of a plot of land are you working with 20 acres yeah, 20, 20 acres. acres right? Yeah, 20 acres. 20 acres. And and Joey Charbonneau was here that day when we first started. It was a giant forest of grass and guayvi trees and nothing. There was nothing. And I remember people saying, Brand, this is so much work. You'll never get it done. And uh, we got it going. You, you got it going. You're going. And you're going. So, it's boom. Going. You're moving them around. And what is it doing also for the pig? You're talking about how your pigs taste better. Ultimately, you're getting back to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And th- mm-hmm. the beginning of all of this started at this restaurant where you're talking about the ambiance. You're yeah. talking yeah. about the location. But ultimately, you're talking about the food and how food is at the basis of this. The taste and the sustainability of the food is what people care about and will is what will get them to come to your restaurant right. and allow you to charge a premium and have that quality. Well, not even just come. I want them to come eat this pork or eat some of the food here and now tell everybody about it. I do no advertising other than word of mouth at that restaurant. I do one little video. Everything else is word of mouth. It's a secret spot that you can't really find. Not even Siri knows how to get there, but somebody's <laughs> got to tell you how to get there. That's what I wanted. That was the constraint in the beginning. Like, oh, you have no uh, walking traffic, no traffic there. I'm like, oh, that's what I want. It's a secret. Just because you need to, somebody needs to tell you about it for you to show up there. 
So in a place like that, when you get there and you find out that the guys who own the restaurant also own a free-range Berkshire pig farm where they feed them macadamia nuts and fucking sweet potatoes, bananas, and breadfruit, and the pork is cooked a certain way, and they do it all by themselves, you're just adding to that whole thing. And then I don't even tell anybody about it, and they find out on their own, then you're talking about trying to create one of the best restaurants in the in the state, in the island, in right. the country. It doesn't matter. We're trying to be a hundred percent sustainable. Now, how do you, I'll, I don't think I'll ever you, get. There. How do you feed the the pigs, and, and at what points? Like, I'm I'm just trying to paint this whole picture. So I got that you're you're moving them, and then you're feeding them. So amazing. Amazing food. So you're, you're feeding them macadamia nuts. You're feeding them bananas, bananas breadfruits. Most sweet pigs potatoes, are fed on what? A food ration, so many pounds every day or twice a day with certain waters. It, most pigs are fed just high grain slop. stuff. But see, in Hawaii, pigs get fed yeah. slop. Slop. Yeah. Well, so what's slop? So, so we're talking about like in in a factory farm. What are most no, pigs no, fed? No, they don't get fed slop like, in the factory the, farm. Yeah, the, the, the factory the, farm is corn, right? Corn. Yeah. So Hawaii, corn. we don't we don't grow. We don't have any much. grains. Yeah. Well, well, we do. We got corn, and they grow basically for the the cattle that we have here, the GMO cattle for. No, that's the only corn. Yeah. Though. Or the sweet corn we eat from Kuhuku or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so we don't have those. We don't grow alfalfa and oats and all that stuff. We don't have any of that stuff. So what do we have? We have sweet potatoes and macadamia nuts and bananas and tropical stuff, papayas, um, moringa. I mean, that's moringa the only thing. Leaves. If, if my pigs get a little sick, I give them moringa. And moringa is a superfood, you know. If they have a certain kind of thing going on, I give them a little bit of this. I, I try to get them. They can't. They don't eat ginger. I wish they would eat ginger or garlic. I wish, but they don't. So there's certain things they eat that's palatable to them. The I tell you, right? I mean, that's been one of the main things that I've learned just in my short time learning how to hunt and listening to podcasts on hunting is how much it matters what the animal's eating. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like, duh, obviously you are what you eat. If you're eating a bunch of blueberries, you're going to taste like blueberries. Yeah, yeah, like like bears. Bears, yeah, yeah. blueberry bears. Well, their so, meat will get blue. Yeah, so this is the same thing. So And pigs, because they don't sweat and when they stress, they don't sweat, nothing happens. Everything comes out in their meat. So anything mm-hmm. negative is in their meat. So low stress... They can be pigs when they want to be pigs. And then at the end, I'm feeding them the best stuff that I can find. You know what I mean? Now you're talking like this is what they do in Spain. This is what they do in Japan. This is what they do all over. And I try to do it the same way that those types of places do it. But with no, the Hawaii influence. With Hawaii. Hawaii's version of it. Right. But who are, you ma- who are your main influences? I mean, my main influences when I look at, at who does the system correctly. Joel Salatin, he does like a rotational type idea. But then I add a little bit of what Australia does down in Melbourne. And they raise Berkshires down there. A lot of what they do in Japan with the Kurobota pork. Mm-hmm. And how they feed and use rotational grazing in Spain. I mean, we're now at a point where we have a giant library of the world in our pocket. So we should be using that technology, the good parts. Which mm-hmm. means we can look around the world and how everybody else in the world does it. Manipulate it a little bit and get it progressive and innovative for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I toured farms all over. I ended up finding the six best pigs I could. Then I brought those to Hawaii. I didn't bring a boar. I artificially. I love that. You, I love that you came just north of Santa Cruz to find those. Yeah, yeah. Give me a little bit of pride about something I didn't I even know you, I had pride in. I tell you, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, our pigs. Yeah, what? Norton, Northern pride. California is progressive in all sorts of yeah, agriculture. Absolutely, you guys are dope. You know, but what it basically comes down to is. As a Lee boy, you're super competitive, and you need to be the best. And Brandon <laughs> wanted to grow the best, you know. And if you look at my brothers and I, we all do like you're like 
that's your brother? I was like, yeah, you guys look alike. You guys kind of act alike, but you guys are totally into different things. It's because whatever we want to do, we want to be the best at. We can't be the best if my brother's already excelling in it. So I can't I can't go up in a pig farm <laughs> right. now because they'd be like, compete. oh, I, right. I wouldn't be able to be well, the best. I've seen you guys throw vicious heckles. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no rules. Deep. Yeah, no, you can I, always have your guard on. You have to because yeah. I will trash it's, you I know. I, 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 the first time I saw you, t- you guys meet each other, it was like Mortal Kombat. It was like verbal Mortal Kombat. <laughs> to this day? Like, oh, Justin, you think you got one big fat salve? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. I'm like, go check my salve. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm staring at my nuts <laughs> when I say my sow. Check out my sow. Those are my nuts. No, um, we still wrestle today. Oh, right. Today. I right. just so, wrestled so my competi- youngest brother so the other com- day and he cracked my teeth. <laughs> That's how hardcore we get. <laughs> my teeth literally cracked. He's a B6 to 210 bricks. What a pussy. What a savage pussy. What else are you doing to differentiate yourself so, on I the mean, farm? Not only did I find the six best pigs I could find in the country, like these girl pigs that I could ship over to Hawaii. Because sh- being able to, or else you ship, you get it from the East Coast, they have to get across the country, then over the ocean. These pigs are so stressed out, they might they may die. So I have, it came down to, I had to find them in California. And this guy, um, God, what was his name? Ralph Warner, Warner Burks. He's also a mechanic in Santa Cruz, right down the road from uh, Rockies and Rosie's Chickens, organic chickens. Anyway, right down the road from there, I find these six pigs. I go over there. I fly over there. I meet this guy, Ralph, and his wife, Julie. And uh, I scratch some bellies of some pigs, see how they do their jam, and then I uh, tell them, you know what? I want. How, well, how do you see how they do their jam, and how do you, how do you pick how a pig? Jam I go to their I go to their farm. Them. I see how smart they they those people are, you know, and if they're cool, and I just say, hey, Ralph, you know, I'm I'm trying to get start up the Berkshire industry in Hawaii and I need uh, six great sows. Right, but what are you looking for in a sow? Shit, in the beginning I didn't know. Honestly, I, I stared at videos of state um, uh, like fair pig shows and they're like, oh, well, now we have this beautiful barrel and it's got a straight back line and wonderful hams. The shoulders look nice and I'm like, what are they? First of all, what the fuck is a barrel? <laughs> You know, which is a castrated boar. And then gilts, which is an unbred sow. So when a, sow, a girl pig, and when a sow has babies or is pregnant, it turns into a sow. Just like Papio and Olua and whatever. But I, I didn't know any any of this stuff. None. I had no idea. So I stared at pig videos and trying to figure out what I was looking for. And then spoke to other pig farmers and what they're looking for. Then I met Ralph and Julian and said, hey, look, I want six of the best you've ever seen. That's what I'm trying to do. So, it- was Sorry, was there an inception point to you wanting to become a pig farmer? No, I just like, like you just you just, you just want, I, I can I'm I'm kind of gaining. There's a, no epiphany. I'm gaining no, a little nothing. bit of a grasp on the type of person that you are, which is one of those it's people like people that you now you like find a hook into a subject and then you just need to burrow deeper That's and it. deeper and deeper and then you're like, oh my god, it's 4 a.m. I've been watching YouTube videos That's about big asses walking across. Bro, it. when I had to learn, no, how no, to I, I can tell. No, you, I mean, you, 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 that you, was a weird one. You, yeah, but <laughs> but you're one of those people who just gets deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. And, and pigs were those things. And that was that that thing that you got into. So then you finally found Fogline Farms. You got the six pigs. Then what was the process from that? Because I've heard so th- that you ran into a lot of problems oh, in I mean, your first year of well, starting this. Right out of the gate, um, you can't just bring pigs over to Hawaii, especially a new species. You're, you're like 
creating disease and all kinds of stuff. So that's the first hurdle, just getting the pigs to Hawaii, which is a big deal. He had to get his his area, like, check mark, stamped of approval by somebody high up because yeah, it had to have the snout to snout with wild pigs. Yeah, boys. no snout to snout touching of wild pigs. Because Whoa. if I brought in, like, a, a disease and then I gave so, the so disease to the wild pigs and it decimated the whole pig population of the whole island and I created like the new swine flu it would be my fault. Whoa. <laughs> Crazy. So what Which kind I didn't of, even know about right, so I started right, right, doing but it. What kind of testing do they do to oh, make sure with, you're not bringing Oh, they come. I still, in. I just got tested the other day. They come with fucking full on hazmat suits and take blood tests from, from all my So animals. it's not normal at all to bring in pigs from other parts of the world. I mean... Because Hawaii yeah. is known for its pigs, so that's they were already here. All those, all those wild yeah. pigs. Why are didn't you here. use pigs from here? Because they're not no. There is no no purebred anything here. They're, everything's mixed. Duroc with fucking landrace. You know, you're talking about. It's either are domestic they, are those species, species. Those are species <laughs> yeah, of pigs. Yeah, yeah. So th- in Hawaii, it's either domestic or wild. There's yeah. no heritage breeds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's domestic or wild. And that means it's domestic, means they got it means from some black pen. or white. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> black or white. It's a white pig? Oh, a domestic pig. Yeah. And basically, it's a commercial pig that you see. It's that pink geared big fig. And if it's uh, a black pig, oh, it's on boar. And if you see a black and a white pig, oh, that one get domestic inside that one. Yeah. No, better eating. <laughs> You're the right guy to talk about that. That's true. That's exactly yeah, correct. No, we're, I, I really want to get deep into this right now. But it's it's not so much that it's... Can we a, talk about pig for the next three hours? Possible. This is amazing. It's possible. But it, it's not because, I mean, if a wild in pig... All, in all seriousness, some, I do, I do want to really get into this. Oh, yeah. This is fascinating. Well, the, the, the difference between a wild pig and my pigs... Let's just get into that. How come you're raising pigs? Because there's pigs everywhere already. There's all these different types of pigs. My pigs have wonderful, giant, juicy, round, big, round hams Mm -hmm. and shoulders and correct belly lines and and loins. Where a wild pig is narrow and kind of bony. Even if you find a fat one, it's all the fats on the outside and it doesn't look anything. like They got long snouts. Uh, The flavors are actually similar to wild in flavor, but... The structure of the meat, the, the the density of the meat, where the fat is in the meat, that's the difference between what I grow and what, what you can find wild. But the meat is red, just like the wild meat. Mm-hmm. Okay, but why why does it matter if you're cutting the pig up where the fat is on the on the meat? Well, like a, a marbled, a well-marbled ribeye yeah. is going to be juicy and tender and soft, where a, uh, a different cut of that, you know, Same with top. no with no right. fat in it gets tough and not it doesn't take in the flavors well and it's it's, it's chewy and you know what i mean yeah that's yeah, the difference yeah, yeah, yeah. what it is is a, a whole pig that no matter what cut you pull from it the loin the ham the shoulders whatever it's you're talking highest quality there is available and then also like a, a pig that is really good at, at curing uh, making pancettas and prosciuttos and salamis and sausages you're talking about the best pig for that stuff um is, is it all the best pig would you say that the pig that you're using are the best for making a variety of different uh, cuts? The black pig is the most prized pig, the black domestic pig all over the world. Patanegra, black pig. Kurabota, black pig. The Hawaiian Kaunamano farm, royal herd, black Black pig. pig. This is a pig that's through the generations. I mean, the the original Berkshire is from England, and it was so good, they started giving them as gifts. They were so epic. This animal was so epic, a great gift would be a Berkshire pig. Dope. 
dope. You don't have this variety. Somebody put it on a boat. You probably had to bring ten so that two lived by the time you got there. Well, so is there any pig. Berkshire pig in Hawaii right now that's just mixed with the rest of? Oh, people mix that mix that in all the time because okay, of, but because it's very difficult to find. Just as you said, well, you th- can buy there aren't ma- there aren't many one hundred percent Hawaiians anymore right. here. It's just a numbers game. You go through right. the generations. So I, in order for you to have 100% pure Berkshire pig in Hawaii, you had to bring sows in. So I brought sows in. Like you can buy boar semen from anywhere in the country and ship it in. But this is how hard it is. When you artificially inseminate, I started with six girls, never been bred before. You not only have to wait till they're in heat. Usually you put them in a crate where they can't move. So when they're in heat, you can kind of do whatever you want to them. I did mine in the pasture. It takes some gentle touching to do this <laughs> some rubbing <laughs> no so what you ear. yeah you have to spray a little boar scent in the air they get into a heat they freeze and then you got to get that sh- long straw thing in there and you're giving doses of boar semen that i bought from across the country you know sometimes i bought them in iowa and then i buy that it comes in a refrigerated box that's only good for seven days and only good if you keep the temperatures between a certain temperatures and the sow is only in heat for three days you know, you have to time it, and you're supposed to get it two or three times in, in that thing. And every time you do it, it's 150 bucks. Whoa. And you have to time all that in the pasture, and you have to be friendly enough with the pigs to let them, to let you let them stick a straw in their vagina. Whoa. How? Uh, so when he says when they freeze, it's the standing heat, right? Or standing. Yeah, yeah. Standing well, so, heat. so you spray boar scent in right, the air right. with it. And he is puts it, Barry Manilow on. Red low, uh, is is it actually rock. like a, a cologne bottle Red of like ch-ch? Yeah. Really? So you, so you go ch-ch yeah, to, the, to their in the nose ch- in the wind, in the wind. Up, upwind from them. So what I do is I do it upwind like I know. Okay, so I just seen this girl come in heat. Sows what do you look for when a girl's coming in heat? A, a swollen, swollen vagina? Labia. Labia. I, I, I get really close. <laughs> I sm- I smell it. <laughs> it. Smells like heat, like that. Wait, you, <laughs> no, you, I don't. You, I don't. You, no, you need to be careful about what you're joking around with and what you're not, because people aren't going to know no, what you I know, are. I you know, are an art, because I He's don't know anything kidding. about. He doesn't no. smell the vagina. I don't it, smell the it's vagina. It's just swollen. No, I don't. It, yeah, it starts to swell up. Okay, and they act funny, like um, just like <laughs> they got hormones. Yeah, they get pissed off for no reason. They get weird. They chase they you. Bite. Yeah, they, it's true. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. They foam at the mouth. They foam at the mouth. My wife foams at the mouth <laughs> when she's in heat. Wait, wait. Are you talking about the pigs? Shh, we're not going to name wait. names. Just joking. Okay. Okay, so wait, you do this. You spray this in the air. No, I, I want to learn about this shit. Okay. So, so don't be hyperbolic about what you're talking about when a pig gets in the, in the heat. <laughs> okay, so you, you, you literally, uh, they get a little crazy and they do it and then they have a swollen vagina and they actually just act kind of weird. They don't eat. When you drop the food, usually they're savages. They just go in and they want to, and the one that's in heat will lay back. So, okay, so, okay, she's in heat. So, I'm going to wait till her mannerisms go back to normal. That's the end of the heat. I mean, that's all you have to pay attention. So, okay, so she went off. Okay, 21 days, she's going to go on again. So, boom, you wait 21 days, boom, she's on again. Okay, so I know now, 21 days later, she's going to be on again. So, I call the, the semen place. It's called Shipley's Swine Genetics. Nice. Out of fuck, who knows? Okay. I can't remember. I call them and say, hey, look, um, what kind of fantastic Berkshire boar semen do you have? Well, we got this new creamy one. It's really nice. Really chunky. No, they tell you, like, hey, look, they, this one catches. Do, do they really say that? No. Yeah, the guys, are, uh, it's hilarious because they it, they're awkward. They know it's an awkward thing that I'm buying cum from across the country from a pig. 
I mean, that's what you're doing. So is, what, is there any kind of awkwardness? It's hilarious. That? Yeah, like, what, they're, like, they're what does that call? So, what does that call sound like? They call well, like, hey, this is Jeremiah. We're out here in Arkansas. Shipley's Genetics, where we grow the greatest boars out in the country. This year, we got four grand champions, Berkshires. What are you looking for? You looking for shoulder? You looking for length? What are you looking for? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm actually just starting. Um, I'm trying to find uh, something that's really just going to be. So, well, I'll tell you what. What we're going to do is I'm going to send you a boar that gets to a 250 pounds right around 153 days and is known to give off litters that are roughly 8 to 12 litters because what you need is numbers right now and they say I say okay that's that's what I'm on so they send out a dose now this dose is good for seven days so now you know it's going to come into heat 21 days from now so day number 15 yeah, you, you gotta, 14, I make that, that order. Yeah, that, that package better arrive. Right, not just that it's got to arrive. I have 36 hours to fuck this pig twice. I love that sentence. There's always a good sentence. There's always one great sentence in the podcast, and I'm happy we finally got <laughs> it out. But you have, to, you have to get it twice, man. So Okay, so this, this thing goes in heat. It's got 36 hours. We're hitting day 21. Boom. Her vagina's swollen. I spray the boar scent in the air. You can get that from them. I got a long, three-foot-long straw with a corkscrew on the end. I lube that bitch up. Boar's penises are corkscrews. They have a twist. Because they got a twist into the cervix. I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wait, they, really? Girl, girl, it's, it's corkscrew. It's corkscrew. a corkscrew. So the girl. Whoa! Well, so wow, that's <laughs> that's mind blowing. So you 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 slide it in. You go up. There's two ways. Down is bladder. Up is cervix. I've been in the bladder before. It's not where you want to impregnate anybody in the bladder. <laughs> Nobody gets pregnant in the bladder. No. Okay. Note but to it, self: there, if you it, ever is, want to fuck it, a chick is, is and not cor- get pregnant, cor- blow your load in the bladder. Is it a corkscrew that you artificially inseminate them with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a corkscrew type thing. It's a screw. Well, like paint that picture. What does it look like? It's like blue. It's maybe three inches long, and it's in a spiral shape, like the top of a Dairy Queen fucking Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the uh, Twizzler. It's like a Twizzler. Like a Twizzler. Yeah. So you get it in there. You slide it up. It goes in about eighteen inches. Then you hit a wall. Then you screw it, and it goes in another three inches. And it actually <gasps> locks in place. When it locks in place, you have what? It at the end of the locks str- in place. It locks in place, <gasps> and the end of the straw has like two little holes at the end of that straw where the corkscrew is way deep inside that cervix now. And it straws all the way out to an opening that's at the top. I then crack open the semen bottle and dump it down the hole and start to squeeze it down. Do you blow it in? There's a light blowing. Uh, I have uh, <gasps> Justin's showing me a photo on the phone. Um, yeah, corkscrew. Penis. Well, no, so, hey, penis. so hey, anyone listening, you n- watch the YouTube video about the artificial insemination of how Thanksgiving turkeys are oh. artificially inseminated. It's a viral YouTube video about this vegan girl who's saying, like, hey, you ever wonder how uh, Thanksgiving happens? And it goes to. Um, it's it's that TV show like America's Deadliest Jobs or something like oh, that yeah. or Dirtiest. America's Dirtiest Jobs yeah. and excuse me turkey and, fucking's on that list no and, and the <laughs> and the guy has to blow in with his mouth oh yeah yeah and yeah, he yeah. blows it no 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 I'm telling the story incorrectly he sucks it out of one turkey oh. that that's actually one is and that's like the reason the video went viral is that people actually suck turkey semen out 
in industrial agriculture to then artificially inseminate. And the guy's no like, way. well, do you ever get it in your mouth? And he's like, hey, 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 you know, that's why we have the water nearby. No. It's a... <laughs> It's, there it's are a, guys out there wait, it's guaranteed a wild, right now no, it's taking a wild turkey video. semen in their it, fucking mouth. It's a wild video, but I want to get back to this because this ultimately we're going to solve all the world's problems through this story. Right. Okay. So 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 you you get this girl to go what's in a standing heat. And a standing heat is where they brace themselves for the weight of a boar. Okay. So they lock their knees. They dip their head down and their, air, their ears start flopping. At that point, you have like five minutes to get this straw into that pig's pussy all the way up to the cervix screw it in and drop in the dose from the top and, into the and straw. then blow it in no blowing light blowing with the back of your hand into the ear that's it no why so, why, so what into, I, in, why into the no, ear? no 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 Dude, you isn't. can't be hyperbolic i'm fucking <laughs> gonna believe everything you say you can't lie you can't lie so, to the audience right so now. so what i do is I, there I are sit. thousands of people listening to you right I, now by I, the way I, I just hope that you remember I, that i hook my leg over the pig's back and their ass is like facing my face i slide it in and i get it in there and the straw is pointing at me and i drop the dose in there and i start to squeeze it but then the pig's vagina is so aggressive it actually starts to suck in the fucking cum and and it goes in there, and then you have to do it within like a two-minute period, and then she gets off and she runs away. And that thing is now pregnant. So now you wait three months, what three weeks, it? three yeah. days. How nuts is that? Three piglets months, come three out. weeks, three days. And to the D, to the day. Pretty three close. Months, three Pretty weeks, close all the time. Every single time, basically. Basically. Like, like humans are nine months or whatever it's fuck consistent. Weeks. Yeah, but we're not really nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more consistent with pigs. Yeah. So, like, you can impregnate yourself and then go cruise for two and a half months and be like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Three months. You can go three months, three weeks. I'm like, ah, I'm good. And then come back on the first day of the, the Well, I, ch- I start checking, like, when I know a mommy's about to give birth, I start to go by them. I scratch them. You know, they're uncomfortable pregnant girls, and I squeeze their nipple. Once milk starts coming out, now you're within two days. Sorry. That was weird. No. Was that weird? Hey, that's farmer. Was that weird? That's farmer <laughs> talk. No, that's <laughs> norm. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that's how i figure out okay now I no got a couple is, days. this is fascinating people no they'll they'll listen don't worry yeah this, you gotta, this is really interesting stuff yeah they got the next couple of days and then they're going to give piglets and then you try to set up the best place for them to give birth and they have them and usually when they have their first litters they have a hard time so i'm there um and i help them with it and sometimes like, I literally get helping them. them birth their kids his wife nicole Went elbow deep into a sow to pull out one of the piglets because yeah, the too. piglet was yeah. stuck. But she has, small, she has smaller hands. So Brandon was forearm, but Nikki was elbow deep to pull out this piglet. So what happens is, is, say you got ten piglets. Okay, you, now we've got everybody pregnant, uh, and she's going to give birth, and the first piglet comes out beautifully, and piglets are supposed to come out within 45 minutes of each other because the umbilical cord cuts and it starts to suffocate the next one in line. No matter what, if the piglet passes or not, the umbilical cord cuts. What's usually. an average litter? 8 to 14. 8 to 14 babies. 8 to, 8 to 14 mammals living inside of a stomach yeah. at any one point and they all pop out at the same time? One at a time. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yep, yep. And then if they get stuck, you got to reach in there and pull them out because what Whoa. you could do is you could you could have one that dies in the womb that's blocking everything off because it's not wiggling its way out. Right. You got to reach in there, grab that bitch out, pull it out, drop it on the ground, see if it lives. If it's dead, you move it out of the way. But the one behind it could be alive. 
So you got to give that one a chance because its umbilical cord, his personal or her personal umbilical cord, cuts off when it starts suffocating. So you only have a certain amount they of They all have their own umbilical cords. That's it. Everyone. And you have to cut it off? Or, uh, it I breaks mean, by itself. It breaks by itself. I mean, obviously, but it, pigs figure a way out given that they're but because a, it, a huge, an invasive species breeding like crazy oh, in Hawaii yeah, right now. Yeah. Like, they don't necessarily. And twice a year. Yeah, and they don't necessarily need your help. But your help is greatly appreciated, especially when you are breeding purebreds that you've paid a lot of money to get. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you start reaching and pulling them out because you're trying to get the most survivors. Right. And I mean, um, I mean, at that point, you've built such a relationship with your sows and your different girls that are on there that during the pregnancy, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're sticking your arm up that pig's vagina and into its womb, but I'm in the pasture still and they're not moving. There's that much trust between us. I mean, I can go elbow deep in this girl and she knows that I'm there to help her. She's not going to get up and go right. anywhere. It's right. really, really weird. No, it, no, it's a special experience. I mean, I, I was actually writing about that a little bit today of the my first experience field dressing an animal, animal, which happened yesterday. Yeah, where I went elbow deep into a sheep that I shot with a bow, and Justin was walking me through how to. Um, cut it correctly so that I could get all of its innards out in yeah. one fell swoop. And it was a, uh, it's a lot. A, it, no, it was a psychedelic experience. Oh, yeah. there, there are a few moments in life that, that are, uh, have been highly formative for me, or at least ones that have been severed into my long-term memory. You know, yeah. For example, the first time you get spit out of a big barrel oh, yeah. is it's one with it is severed in there. Um, my you know, barrels the, are the not first, as big the first as your time, barrels, the first time by you the have, way. The first time you have sex, right? That's It's something where you're like, wow. I, 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 I would did, like to forget that one. Right? <laughs> I did a horrible job. Well, the fourth time for you. I did a right. horrible right. job. No, no, but, no, but I'm, I'm, in all seriousness, there, there, are these wow, mo- there are these moments. I've never killed a large mammal before, before, oh, yeah. before a couple days ago. And it's, I mean, I get it that it's comical because you guys grew up doing it. But for someone who, myself, who's 27 years old, and for this to be the first time that I actually cut open an animal, reach my arm in elbow deep and pull out its innards so that I can cut it open and take its meat. Haha, yeah, we laugh about artificial insemination and there's so much weirdness about it. But there is that animal-human relationship that is very special. And you are around that more and more now. I mean, I think that's why, like, um, confinement farming is not fair. Like, okay, I decide to eat meat. I'm going to consume meat. But I consume meat, I grow. You know what I mean? I am the one. Now, I could kill and harvest, but I can't sell it if I kill and harvest myself at the farm. So I got to go get USDA stamp. But the first time I brought a pig, and even I got to bring pigs to the market tomorrow. First time I brought a pig, it sucks, man. It's weird. Pigs follow me all over the farm. Wherever I go, they're super listen. They're really good. I mean, I call it the edible petting zoo, man, because I eat everything, but everybody's super nice. But as soon as I pull up to that slaughterhouse, they know. They know. They fucking know. They don't get out of the trailer. No way. I can put fucking cotton candy out there. They ain't getting out. I'm serious. They don't get out. They know. I have to fucking literally force that pig to get out and meet its doom and, and they know because you know when they pass the how other do they, how do they know they start how, sweating how do you think, they freak uh, well, out I mean how do you think how do you think that they know I thought you said the pigs don't sweat 
I mean, they just start freaking out. Yeah, pigs don't sweat. Okay. He was talking with metaphorically. Like, yeah, like stop being hyperbolic. They just, they just, <laughs> this is actually important. They look because you're telling me about a subject that I know very little well, like, about. I bring. Okay, but they start they start freaking out. Their so body the f- language. The first time I brought it, I know pigs love malasadas. <laughs> they love them. Little sweet fried sweetbread covered in sugar. I can get a pig to do anything for a malasada, and. That malasada was not working to get that pig out of the trailer. So you back up the trailer to a chute that takes the chute and you push them all the way through and then it kind of gates off to a pen. And then at that pen, you sign a piece of paper of how you want that pig butchered and you clip that piece of paper to that pen. So they know that the pen, this pig and this pen is getting cut like this. Okay, so you go through and all the other animals are in pens and you kind of find an empty one. You put your pigs in that pen. As the pig is getting out, first of all, it's impossible to get the pig out. He will not get out or she will not get out on its own. So you finally get it to get out. These are all she's. These are all she's. She's She's and he's. He's with no balls. Okay. Which is a a jump ball at that point. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Get uh, get, get in there. Yeah, this is a... (laughs) So you you drop them off. Climactic moment. But so once they commit and say they jump out of the trailer, they just walk very trudgily to where they got to go. And they go right through. There's no, like, checking. As they pass each pen, they have a little conversation with every animal. Really? Walk back. (laughs) They go back. All the other ones meet them at the gate. (laughs) And then they go into their pen. And I close them in there. I tell them how I want it butchered. And that's what happens. And then I eat it. And it's weird. Now, how how are the pigs butchered in a slaughterhouse like yours? Yeah, so they're how butchered. Do they, how do they execute them? Yeah, don't, you don't pass over that part. Yeah, they're stunned, I think, with a with a bolt. Oh, they just get bolt shot right in the they're head? They're in the forehead, yeah. Or um, if, like, I order halves because I want them split in half, um, they'll do a cutthroat, and then they're singed all the hair off. They come out. So they're black pigs, but all black pigs are white underneath that first dermis. Yeah. So getting the pig out of the truck, it finally goes in. I fucking select a certain way. On how to get these things slaughtered. But they, like I said, they get jumped off. They're nervous. It's the worst time. And the next day, it happens. Um, and then I pick up the pig two days later. It's clean. That's essentially uh, your grandson. What's that like? No, what it is is like, um, see, if you're going to decide to eat meat, I think you need to know how that meat comes about. You need to really be into... This has been a major theme in my life recently, actually, since then. <laughs> yeah. Hunted the first two large mammals. It's a very... it's Sorry, shit. It's a very sobering experience. And we made shoyu pork with the first pig that he shot, and we made curry stew with But see, like, sheep. Justin and Wayne Cipriano, Weezy. Big game, Wayne. <laughs> These guys are savage-type guys. Like, there's a lot of us, like me and you... And a lot of guys that aren't so comfortable with the fact that we're slaughtering just animals and eating them. Okay. My senior year in high school, Mike, I raised a pig <laughs> named Sui. And I caught it when it was a baby. It was like 10 pounds when I caught it in the wild. It was white with black dots. And she was my pet. I used to go out there and go, Sui, Sui, and give her bread. And she lived in her pen. I'd put her back in her pen. But every day I let her out. My great grandma, she turns 90. She wants a pig for her. She's like, oh, Justin's got a pig. Justin, can I have your pig? You can't say no to grandma. So the day to kill her, I lure her from our yard to my neighbor's yard with a piece of bread. I go down there with a rake and a piece of bread. I scratch her back and I give her some bread. She follows me. Scratch her back, scratch her back, scratch her back. We walk over there. My dad guys tie her up. She hasn't screamed yet. She's mellow. I give her a pig. Then they say, okay, Justin, you got to hold her down. 
how do you hold her down? With a two by four. So I hold her down with my two by four. I put a two by four between her legs, <laughs> up, uh, the fence, and I sit on the other side, basically holding her down. And then she starts getting kind of agitated. And she starts looking you at those eyes. And then, like, so they want to... They want all the blood out of the pigs so that they can make different blood meat dishes. And the how how old were you? My senior year in high school, okay. seventeen at the time. Seventeen. So holding holding pig down. Holding my pet more. pig that I've had now for two years. So I hold it down, and to get the all of the blood out. For one, you want your meat to have less blood in the meat. It's better for cleaning and it's just tasty. They make a lot of pork blood. Dinadaran. blood sausages. Chocolate, chocolate meat. They do all it. kinds of blood pork dishes. Yeah. And the way good. to do that is you need to kill them with the heart still beating so that the blood so that comes the out. the heart pumps the blood out of the veins. So I held her down. This is Now there's three people waiting for this. I held her down. They grab the freaking sledgehammer, like a two-pound sledgehammer. Whack her on the freaking forehead. Oh, this is the Filipino family next door? Uh-huh. They're wonderful. Whack them on the forehead so the pig starts to squeal. And Whoa. it basically gives them brain damage. You know, so it probably doesn't feel anything. But that's, that's what I tell myself. No, it, it never feels anything when you get a sledgehammer to the forehead. So a sledgehammer to the forehead knocks them, knocks her out. This is the same. Does, they shove does a it, pipe. Does it, knock, does it knock her out completely? Right yes. Then? Well, they shove a pipe down her throat. <gasps> the pipe down her throat is so that she she can't squeal. <laughs> You know, she can't go. Wow, that's wow! Legit. It just went into the red right there. <laughs> <laughs> and they can't. I'm gonna have to fix that in post. <laughs> so it doesn't squeal. Yeah. And then they take a, a knife, cut it into the heart through the chest on the jugular, and they bleed her out. And they eventually push so much that all the blood with comes a pot. Up. Catching it. In a They're pot. catching the pot with a piece of papaya, a papaya stick. Stem. Basically, yeah, the stem, so that the enzymes in the papaya doesn't let the blood clot, and they slowly stir until <laughs> all of the blood comes out of the animal. This That's is my real. pet pig. That's real. That's super real. He's Our Filipino about, neighbors are dope like that. And then we go, <laughs> then we go about going and completely cleaning this pig, scratching it, you know. And you know, we make fun of Brandon because he's like, "Oh yeah, you let the pig." He's like, hey, "You just had to write on a piece of paper that you wanted lamb, cho- you wanted pork chops, you wanted some some pork, but oh yeah." No, I freaking had to hold her down and then put her in the ground and pull her out a couple of days. Couple yeah, but later. you kill things, bro. <laughs> you kill things every day. Do, do you do you kill things? What was that? I mean, this this is a really important part of this whole conversation. No, I mean, because here here's the deal: most people have eaten meat, right? Right, right. And most people are not willing to face that reality of what their ham sandwich looks like. Right, and right. I That's haven't been for a very long time. I've covered yeah. issues, I, I and I have purposely stayed away yeah. from meat and agriculture, and I'll tell you why. It's because for a long time, I was too afraid to face that one. Bro, that's a real that's a real thing, and a lot of people consume a lot of meat because they don't know where it comes from. Um, I mean, uh, fuck, everybody loves bacon. Yeah. You know? no, no, Everybody it's, loves this stuff. You know, everybody loves uh, it is a, KFC. No, it's, it's, it's a sobering experience, as we talked about, pulling, an innards, pulling the innards out of an animal. And I want to I wanna get that for you, because you're saying that you don't feel like you were built with that. Yeah, I'm not that with, savage. With that, I mean, it's, well, it's just a, a sense. I, I, I mean, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but from the bit that I've known you, you really enjoy 
pushing yourself to learn and to be the best that you can be at really whatever it is that you do. So I don't actually think that you have like the bloodthirsty mentality that people think hunters have. It's more just the sense that you want to learn as much and become as much of a sponge as possible and to become the and in the way that you described it when we were talking is that it's competition and you're learning about an animal and there are an infinite amount of ways that you can learn about animals approach, and, and yeah. approach and animal behavior. Yes, humans have become better and better at creating technology that makes it more and more accurate for us to be able to kill animals, um, mm-hmm. and at least hunt animals. But you said you've you've shot with a, a gun maybe five times in your life, and it just wasn't for you. You've bow hunted your entire life, which is difficult. It's very difficult, as I have experienced. Yeah. I've been on a number of, just a couple of hunts with you, and most of the times we don't get anything. So, I mean... Okay, Correct so, me if I'm wrong, but I do think that it is, this is that touching, competition. This is touching on my subject. Okay, so like Justin. <laughs> Justin goes out and hunts, and sometimes he's unsuccessful. Yeah. I cultivate. That's the difference. H- Hawaiians didn't go fishing. They, cultiva- they cultivated fish palms and harvested fish whenever they needed it. Hawaiians didn't go hunting. They cultivated animals because whenever they needed an animal, they ate it. They ate animals occasionally. Yeah. Not all the time. Yeah, hunting's difficult. If I, if, I had to hunt, if I had to hunt every time I wanted to eat, that would suck. Progressive, innovative, yeah. animal consumers farm. What do you think about that, Jess? It does. It's, no, it's no, no, it's it's absolutely right. True. They farm. They farm. We don't yeah. hunt. No, the, well, the hun- nomadic, hunt, the nomadic hunting, Indians hunting is hunted. Right. Hawaiians cultivated. Yeah. I am a cultivator. I'm a cultivator. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to No, it's it's just it's more intelligent. It's, it, in terms right. of in terms of that look, here's a population of people. We want to feed them. They right. don't want to starve. We're going to figure out How? the easiest way possible to feed them. And it's gotten kind of off the rails if the world in the sense gets, gets consumed by zombies. Right. And everybody dies, but because we're the most isolated landmass in the world, everybody in Hawaii is living Hunting is out the window. Yeah. Nobody's going to hunt because you'll run out of animals eventually. We have to learn how to cultivate. Right. And you need to be like, we have this many animals for this many people, and we're going to figure it out. But when, when the World War II ended and those soldiers didn't have a job anymore, they went out and killed every animal they could because there wasn't refrigeration. Right. Right? We heard this. One, Rogan says this shit all the time. They didn't cultivate because they were killing everything. They almost decimated species because of this. Right. Because they weren't cultivating and right. they were hunting. Right. I feel that hunting is not a good argument for sustainability on the planet in terms of that we're going to go use a bow and arrow and we're going to shoot this animal and we're going to feed the world. What it is a really good argument for, though, right now is... Um, is basically money going towards open space because right. if you're going to hunt an animal, that's how we're going to keep the open well, space. And it's a really good argument I've understood personally in the last few days for understanding that connection between your food, your food. You just don't get it until you see it, until mm-hmm. you really experience it in the first hand where you said, oh, that's a ham sandwich. No, but Justin soon- was telling me about the ham and that's the that's the back of the animal and I had to cut that off the other night. And there is that human visceral connection that we need to take that next step. As soon as you set an area aside for a national park or an area that has hunting rules, you move away from hunting to cultivation. As soon as you start to manage that herd, you're now cultivating. So people that go out and hunt, 
Yeah, I get it. But that land was set aside for public use, which is made for hunting, which means you're cultivating. You know, you don't... that, that line is skewed too much. Like, oh, a farmer, why don't you get out and hunt your food? Like, <laughs> bro, we set aside that land as a group of, Hawaii, of, right. of Americans who set aside sp- specific areas for hunting. If that wasn't the case, people would go in with shotguns and rifles and kill, decimate everything in there. Right. No, but there's rules. You can only take a certain one or a certain herd and you get tags and all that. You're right. cultivating at that point at a wild level. Right. So ultimately, the conversation comes back to cultivation without destroying the environment around you. Absolutely. And, you know, so you're talking about managing the area you're managing the forest you're managing the stuff before anybody came up with management ideas and separating stuff like that and coming up with tags for certain animals everybody was savages and just killed everything they fucking saw there was no refrigeration you couldn't freeze a piece of meat so you had to go through meat all the time a lot of shit rotted right the problem the the problem with factory farming isn't that you don't have enough animals the problem is that as a result of that there's a ton of cruelty that's inherently involved and you're screwing up the environment exactly but i think i think on on the contrary, you know, you had your Native Americans. You know, they went out and they wanted to kill a lot of animals, but they were killing a lot of animals because during the winter time it was harder to find them, and it was, they couldn't. You know, if it was cold, so they prepared themselves for the winter time. You know, whether it was them going out and shooting a thousand animals, it's not. But I think that, you know, for you to say, no, but the, they were, the, the they Native were, Americans didn't kill a thousand animals. It was the fucking Westerners. The Native Americans cultivated see, their, no, their herds well, that they were following. Like if, say, if the Native Americans came across a giant herd of buffalo, they weren't killing the head head one. Because right. we well, knew, we, want, they already knew that they that if you killed the head ones, all the rest didn't know what to fucking do, and you could shoot everybody. Right, uh, Justin, uh, Justin I want to hear your point, though, about hunting. Well, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, as far as hunting goes, I think, you know, hunting, you get a you get such a broad spectrum of the word hunting. It's, you know, you get guys that, you know, like myself and like Wayne, that we go out, you know, and we're, we're specifically targeting a specific animal, you know, and we don't shoot everything that we see. And it's it's because we want to leave some for our future generations, you know. But then you, and we do it fair chase. We don't do it in fences. And you got hunters that are bloodthirsty that just want to kill the biggest animal and will pay a X amount of dollars to go in it. 20 acre area and shoot something right you know but you know like we're so quickly to categorize those guys that kill that are bloodthirsty savage beast type people i don't think that person actually exists and if it does exist that guy's not the norm he's a jeffrey Dahmer. he's a different person right exactly he's a unique individual this guy's a fucking you know he could do other things right well well we have a lot of these preconceived notions about someone who wants to pay three hundred thousand dollars to shoot a namibian black rhino but if you have those preconceived notions you should go watch radio labs episode called the black called the rhino hunter which i highly recommend which is on hunting and it's on hunting an endangered species and how they use older post reproductive males that are still aggressive yeah they're still aggressive and all and all of that money is then going to conservation but Justin, I do, I do want to have you be able to continue your, your point because you haven't been talking a lot so far on this. Well, it, it, I do think it's an important point on hunting versus versus conservation because ultimately we're talking about the future of food, and it, at the end of the day, most people aren't going to, most people don't have the time to go out mm-hmm. and learn how to use a bow and learn how to to shoot a sheep or shoot. Uh, a pig and I, you know and i think you know the biggest thing is if someone wants to go and pay thirty thousand dollars to go shoot an animal on a fence they can do that that's none of my coolie on if they if they fall it responsibility it's none of my you know care 
you know, if they do it responsibly and it's legal, then it's fine. But you know, what it does give the negative connotations that you know, right. surround it basically bloodthirsty. They're just killing pets, you know, and that's where the teddy bear and Teddy Roosevelt and you know that topic's been talked about. So right. Many well, then times. then the conversation gets less into sustainability of animals and it gets more into the consciousness well, of, I mean, of animals that that you're. I mean, you're talking about how smart pigs are and how these well, are, the, these are. It's not just like ripping out a weed. I mean, we could get super deep and talk about the consciousness of all things, right. but there but there is a very basic set of emotions that animals feel that are. Very very similar to humans. I mean, you you and I were field dressing that sheep the other day, and we and it's very similar to humans. What the those is, what yeah. the anatomy the what an animal has inside of it is very similar to us. Yes, it's it's different in the sense that maybe they're not self aware in the same the way that we are, but it's a very similar set well, of emotions. So we're talking about a whole nother thing, and, mm. and I think that that's a good point that you brought up. Well, I mean, like. Why are you hunting? Are you hunting for meat? Are you hunting to consume? Why do you like meat? I mean, I have a lot of friends that are vegan, don't consume anything. I mean, I, I, honestly, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm probably the only pig farmer that went vegan for like 21 days. I can claim that. But, uh, you Stamped. know, when, when I, when I <laughs> ate no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah All the oh. vegans were like, yeah, man, oh, right yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bacon seeds. Anyway, those are piglets. Okay. Um, but it wasn't... When I, when I gave up meat for that little while, and it was more like a fast type thing, and I wanted to see what it felt like, um, I never craved it. Hmm. I never was like, I want to eat meat. Like, oh, my God, I, I need a steak. More I crave sugar. Sugar. Bro, sugar will call you. It sugar will call daily. your name, man. That thing whispers to you. Sugar will be like, oh, God, bro. So, so what's, see, what's, for what's me, your – go for it. I can say for me, I crave meats like when you, i have you ever gave up meat no but i've gone in hunting operation hunting areas where i wasn't able to eat fresh meat like we'll go and camp you know in some remote part of the island or something like that and we'll be there for two or three days or even up to a week and we're there to shoot one animal we don't want to shoot a lot of animals so we're there so we're but what we're eating is you know the first day we you know my buddy shane and i will go up the first day we'll bring steak you know, and we'll have steaks for the first night. We'll bring a couple beers because that's our, yeah, we're here for steaks because we have no refrigeration to keep it cold. So that we got to eat it then. And then for the next three or four nights, we'll eat mountain house meals or we'll eat dehydrated foods, you know. and but Even those things have meat products in them. Well, yeah, I know. But what I'm craving is when I get back to because, yeah, we eat beef jerky and stuff. But when I crave is like we get back on the helicopter or we get back on whatever, you know, way of, I mean, uh, way we're going to get back to civilization. We always look at each other like, what do you want to eat? You know, it's either a steak or a hamburger. It's because for me, I crave that. I crave that biting into a steak or that crave that. For me, it's just that flavor. But it could uh, be just sugar. Is, of is it. it just the flavor or what, what do you, what do you, gen, what do you genuinely I think, it's think that it flavor, is? That's it's, I, think, and I think it resembles home. It resembles Well, what it is is Western just you, you. I know because we grew up the same way. Meat is that every single time I eat, I yeah. have meat. Every single time I eat, there's meat. I just went 21 days of eating with no meat. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to eat meat. Like, that's what I thought too. Before I gave up meat, I thought, I fucking love meat. I love meat. I will snuggle on some bacon. <laughs> I fucking love meat. Right, yeah. because you grew up on it. I grew up on it. That's yeah. a culture. Yeah. But when I decided I wasn't going to eat meat for a purpose, you love meat so much you're growing. What was it? I'm what? growing meat. I mean, I fucking decided I was going to grow the best goddamn <laughs> bacon in the world. 
because I fucking love pork. <laughs> but I decided I'm gonna go 20 days to see if that's what it is. But really, I'm growing the fucking best pork in the thing, and it's only flavor based because so, I know that I don't need meat. So what does that conversation sound like in your head now when you have to bring your pigs to slaughter? I know exactly the process, what I fed them, what I'm doing, the nutrients that they're going to give me and the flavor of it and why it flavors like that. And that's enough for me to take the pig to market. Even if I had to kill it myself, I could do it because I know how I'm treating this animal and what I'm feeding it is the best for my body and it has the best flavor. If I'm now, now that I know that I don't need meat, I've done this whole thing and not meat. I'm only gonna consume right. the best v- kind of meat. What? What? I'm not of- eating shit meat anymore, <laughs> bro. Vienna sausage tastes way different now. What was it like? <laughs> <laughs> fucking spam, which I love. I don't eat a fucking spam musubi anymore. I don't because it's the shittiest version of meat you can get now. I only eat the best versions. If I'm going to eat why, why spam, is, it, is it the taste or is it the no, ethics of it? No, the taste. It tastes phenomenal. The ethics of it, I could give two fucks. But if I'm you don't gonna, You don't care about the, the ethics of I, how an animal's killed? I get it, man. People make money any which way. I got fucking friends that are drug dealers and they make money. That's great. That's how they make money. There's people that raise pigs in a shitty fashion. That's how they make money. I, fuck, I get it. Everybody's trying to do what they do. So it's not the ethics part of it. But if you're a clean person... You're trying to live life at optimum levels. You're not going to start to, you're going to, if you're only consuming meat three times a week, three meals a week, you have seven times three. What is that, Just 21. 21 meals a week. If I consume only three meals out of the 21 meals that I'm going to have this week with meat in it, I'm not going to use that meal and fucking eat spam. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm going to eat that meal. I'm going to find a great piece of meat, a steak. But guess what? Meat isn't as fucking wonderful like you eat a few bites and that's all you need you don't need that much meat i mean tonight i ate i had a kale shake and i'm snacking on some of this and one chicken wing and i'm i'm cherry but it's it's a it, it is kind of ironic though that you um you would say that for the most part it's the flavor of the animal that you're going for so that people can get the optimal flavor right but you had a health issue that that yeah. forced you to not eat meat for now do you still not eat meat well like okay no i eat meat now you eat meat now but it was yeah. it was just 21 days with the health yeah issue so now that but now that i've gone back and i've realized that the body doesn't need meat okay i'm only putting the best versions of meat in there you know i've kind of crossed over this barrier of, of of satisfying a craving versus satisfying um supplements that the body needs right to, to grow. right so like, if I'm going to eat meat, I'm going to make sure it's great quality because it's going to have great minerals. It's treated correctly. There's no negativity in it. Even if it if it means something or doesn't mean something or if it's tested or it's real or not real, it makes me feel good about it that I, I consume something with no stress. It's going to, you know, there's not a lot of... Is it, so is... Sorry, my mic's getting weird, but um, is, is it that... Sorry, these phones this is my phone yeah. it's fine um is it though purely over out of the flavor because we've gotten into a few subjects here so far around yeah, pig, so like, pig and one is one is the ethics of how a pig will be be shaken and not want to go into the slaughterhouse and how this is an intelligent animal but then also how you're cultivating it so that it can have the best life possible and how it can also be grazing on land that is going to be 
regrown. Well, right? so all That's those a big things, issue. all those things that we're talking about, the stress, the grazing on land, the rotational grazing, the food that they eat, all come out to flavor in right. the end. So, for example, you give up sugar for a while, fruits start tasting really great. Right. Right. That's right. That starts going. You stop eating junk food, the real pork start to gain the flavor. Right. Your taste buds get better. Right. All that gets better. So now you're looking for the best version. Spam doesn't taste so good because it's all artificial. It's all it's like fake tits. They're wonderful right. to look at. When you chew on that thing, it's a little rubbery. <laughs> They're not so pliable. They're less. They're less good. Usually I only get one good quote out of a podcast, but I'm really happy we got the two <laughs> But this is true. This is true. So you're looking for the best version. If you're looking for the best version, it has good fat. It has good lard. It tastes clean. When you add other flavors to it, it's going to take it on really right. well. The texture is going to be perfect. I mean, if you're only having a couple of meals a week of protein, you want the best version of protein. That's what I'm creating. If the guy, like for example, I went to this swine co-op meeting and I'm growing the best version of pigs and there's other people that are growing that are different types of pigs. They all are like, I would never buy your pork. Yeah, you're right. You would never buy it. Four, $9 a pound, you would never buy my pork. You know right. why? Because they got fucking $1.50 a pound type of pork all around them. So they're like, oh, I can eat this $1.50. Why would I pay $9? Because right. you don't know because you're eating junk food all the time. Right. Funyuns taste great. Fresh Maui onion rings that are lightly dredged and fried taste way better than any Funyun has ever tasted. Right. So it, let's say that this model spreads around the world. Well, that's and, the whole idea. Right, this is, farming thing is scaled. It is scaled. But how, how is it scaled? I mean, what is what diet needs to change in people around the world for this to be replicable? And because the the benefit of factory farming is you get a ton of animals in a very small amount of space. And when you have rotational grazing of animals, how do you get that many animals for the current diets that we have? So right now with factory farming, we are detaching ourselves away from harvesting thousands of pigs all day, every day. If we do the rotational grazing and start attaching ourselves to meat again of where it comes from, how wonderful these animals are before we even harvest them. I bet you less people eat meat or we start eating meat less often and we're more of a plant-based diet. Right. Is I almost it, guarantee that. Is that because it's it's for the expensive? Do you think that because, it, because it's just going to cost more well, for a not, quarter of It's pounder. not even that it's going to cost more. You're going to eat it less because you're going to be more attached and know the system. Right. Kids nowadays don't know where bologna comes from. They think right. bologna is a fucking tree. You know, bologna is an animal. It's a pork. It's all the byproducts and the shit offals blended into a puree and then shaped in a casing and then cured so that it hardens with gelatin from a fucking horse. Right? I like bologna. I love bologna. <laughs> I fucking love it. But, you know, that's you guys, what it is. too much for me. I just learned what a ham sandwich was. You can't take me all the way to bologna right now. Uh, people don't know where fucking, you know, little kids don't know where carrots come from. You know what I mean? This, right. We are detached yeah. from where right. it is. So, so it's, My daughters, they so, ask me where the chicken comes from. They're like, it came from the farm. Then I don't want it. But when they realize that the chicken that they eat from McDonald's is the same chicken is worse oh, than worse. the chicken that they're eating at the farm right they're gonna stop eating chicken all right so so it's that around education you're probably gonna cut our meat consumption in um, half absolutely uh, people will not be comfortable with how I mean, it goes down so this, this is kind of hilarious is that the next meal after um i shot my first animal with you i 
so um, erratically ordered uh, vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, not erratically is the wrong word, but just so impulsively yeah. ordered vegetarian because I was like, I it's there's hard. no way that I can... And and I don't know that that feeling, how much that feeling subsides with time, and how much it, that memory become, gets in the distance. But there is there is something very real and visceral about that experience, and how much I was like, no, I'm very happy to get vegetarian. So your idea is that it will it, it will cut it, it our it will cut our meat consumption way down, and we will value the times that we eat meat much more in the same ways that hunters do. In the way that they're like, oh yeah, I shot this sheep. Now I'm cooking it up for dinner. See, I'm going to value me, it more. For me, the the part I like about hunting the most is I like the fact that I went out there and I harvested this pig, or I went out there and harvested this sheep. And so when I make it, you know, it's it it doesn't have the same quality as a common commonano farms pig will. No, but or this, but I'm already I'm vested into it yeah. emotionally. I'm there with this. So when I'm cooking this meal for myself and for my family, it's yeah, I know where it came from. I know that the hard work I went into and I know that when I eat this, it's it's part of me. Well, I mean, it's way what you're doing, what I'm doing is the same. We're not going to the fucking no. store and yeah. getting meat. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm not you know, my goal is to either eat whatever's off the farm or I kill it with my bow and arrow with a fucking stick, a string, and another stick. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to kill shit with sticks. And the more primitive I can get, let's do it. Like, I want to fucking catch things with a stone and a slingshot one day. Like, fucking, no, 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 but like that's Samson. But, but that's fucking. Well, that, that's all good and fun and nostalgic and makes us feel good. But right now we're trying to f- solve food systems. So well, how can so what you're doing can be scaled because less people will eat meat through education. Um, we will have a m- more vivacious environment because the type of rotational grazing doesn't have the same environmental impacts that we're seeing today with the shit ponds yep. um, out in the middle of America to just... Uh, a disgusting degree when you actually see mm-hmm. the, at the level that it is right now, the fact that the Amazon rainforest is getting cut down yeah. so that we can graze uh, industrial cattle down there that then gets exported to the United States well, is out of this world. So you're saying that, that the model can be replicated. Well, not, what it the, has to do, it has to change. We have to, you have to change the culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What we're doing is fighting off all the ultra wealthiest people in the world that are got the whole food industry and how how human beings feed themselves in a fucking stranglehold. We're against the baddest businessmen in the world. They just sold Smithfield to China for like a billion bucks, right? The whole pork industry, they just sold that shit to, for a billion bucks. And these guys control how human beings are are held. No, no. Us being in Hawaii, if you're part of the system, say nothing against. Now, I'm about to say some shit, but nothing against anybody that works at the hotel or whatever. But if you work at the hotel and you go through your system and you're doing the fucking same thing every goddamn day, you show up and you leave 8 to 5, 9 to 5, you eat at the cafeteria, you do it, you stop by McDonald's on the way home, you go home and you pop on your fucking ABC News, you're that guy. You are cattle. You are cattle to what's going on in America. This is why. You work 
super hard, you bust your ass, and they take a percentage off of what of you. Now, when when you take a percentage off of what you make every single week or whatever, two weeks you get paid bi-weekly, they take a percentage and you give that to them because they keep you safe. And guess what they do? They come over and they dump all this food off in Hawaii. It might as well be a fucking dump truck of the shittiest version of food on the islands, and we consume it like we love it. Oh, I fucking love McDonald's. It's my favorite. And you just consuming, and all they're doing is feeding you like cattle, and it comes on a boat every fucking twice a week, just like I buy feed from the fucking store to feed my pigs. It's the exact same thing, except they're controlling the feed that we get fed, and it's dumb shit, and it's feed that makes us dumber, and we keep on our little fucking routine. So who's branching away from this routine? Who's creating new? Who's creating clean food for people to eat? Who's creating stuff that's not going to kill us that we're 80 every single year? How come 80 is where we die at every year? What the fuck? How come we're all getting cancer? How come we got weird shit? Because it's a, it's a control thing. We get fed 85%. That means I fucking eat a tangerine once a week from the outside. You know what I mean? 85% of what we eat is get brought to us when we already had a 100% sustainable system in place and now we consume 85% from the mainland. That's fucked up. We're cattle in the middle of the Pacific that do business and we fucking make service like feeding them and housing everybody and they come over here for vacation. And everybody that lives here, we consume whatever they make and they dump it off with boats and we eat whatever they do. Donuts, fucking shitty pigs, shitty chickens, the worst beef. They got it so dialed that we actually send our beef to the mainland and then they give it back to us as if it's better now that they gave it back to us. That's crazy, isn't it, right? They, if you need yeah. organic beef in Hawaii, it needs to be sent to the mainland for slaughter. How does that work? That's how it works because all the stamps and all that stuff. I'm even getting away from that. I don't want the fucking organic stamp for my pigs. You know what I want? I want Kamehameha Schools, who is the fucking real royals of our, our state, to come in and say, this is the Kamehameha Schools stamp. This is the stamp of the kings. If the kings were alive today, they would eat this pork. Here's the royal stamp. This is part of the royal herd. Fuck organic. Organic's dumb as hell. And actually, I pitched that idea to community schools and but, loved but would, it. But would your pigs be considered organic? Yeah, of course. Of but course. it's better than organic. Right. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do the best of the best. I want it not just to fucking be dope and beautiful and organic. I want it to look clean and everything else be in there that's organic. You right. So what's it going to take for level. what's it going to take for Kamehameha Schools to adopt this? Nothing. Create Nothing. a new stamp. And I, I like I said, they they should do that. Because right now Kamehameha Schools leases a lot of money to companies like Monsanto and Dow and Syngenta. Kamehameha Schools is like. They were created Wait, by so, the So so give me a little breakdown of what Kamehameha okay, Schools. Okay. So Kamehameha is. Schools is. It's created by one of the queens to Oahe. to teach, yeah, Princess Hawaii to teach all the Native American kids education. It was money to make sure that Hawaiian kids stayed smart. So with that money, they've done all kinds of crazy shit. You can read some books. They've invested money in New York and the stock market. They've invested all. They're the, the richest place. nonprofit <coughs> organization. So these are the royals of our time, and at one time the Hawaiians were some of the smartest, right? So what they did is they created this thing. And Kamehameha Schools is like... They're the richest nonprofit organization out of what? I believe it's one of the richest in the nation. Yeah, I think so. As far as land goes and how much money that they've got. Because they own all the land. Underneath all the hotels in Waikiki, they own all that. They have to pay a lease to them. And this is something that started by the queen. Wow. Yeah. And how did that uphold throughout the ages? That's part of the deals. When they made business deals with Dole and everything else, they made those deals. And that's called the Great Mahele. Yeah. The big split. 
the big split of where people started to own land. Whoa! So they started to do that, and the kings made sure that the best land was owned by the Hawaiian people, and the monies that was created from those areas was going to be put directly to the education of Hawaiian kids only. Whoa! So, and how did how did those initial deals get made? Because in in terms of a lot of other places in with the, the world, kings and the fucking the, businessmen, the, the fact that there was that much land that still is allotted, yeah. um, to Hawaiian education. I mean, I guess it, it, that's controversial because a lot of it now is leased to uh, GMO companies. Or, um, but it wasn't that, always like to that. GMO companies that that use it for animal feed. These are these are deals that were created after the fact to create money to keep supporting the system. That Princess Point, their main goal, the Kamehameha Schools, is to educate the Hawaiian kids. If you got Hawaiian blood, you can get into the school system. And then you get to get one of the best versions of education in the state. Gotcha. This is literally like Harry Potter and Hogwarts. It's like a wizard system. Wow. You get plucked. Say we go to public <laughs> school. They go in, and at five years old, you go and interview with a lady, and then she deems you worthy or not worthy to join the Kamehameha Schools program. What uh, allows when, worthiness? Smartness. Smartness. Yeah, education. Um, also, what, if, what, you come from a, if you come from a shitty situation, say your parents are divorced or you're an orphan or something, you'll right. get right in. What uh, percentage Hawaiians do you need to be to get any? What is it? Any? You just have to have it on have your birth certificate. It. Okay. Yeah. And you have to have it, I think, so how many generations? Three generations to your grandfather? I don't know, something. So this and what, is like and what kind of benefits do you get from this? The best version of education there is in the state. Okay, That's what so they promote. And then also, when so you go to college, school, so you, oh, so private, you school, private schools, dorms, the best lunches you've ever had in your life, gourmet food, everybody gets iPads. I mean, the works. Our public schools don't get shit. Why, so why would, any, why would anyone with any Hawaiian in them go to a public school? Because, no, they because can't not get everybody gets in. They only take a certain amount every year. Before, it was one school in the whole state. One school Whoa. in the whole state that only had 400 Per class, so 400 kids each year from the whole state got to go to this. Whoa! School so it's really competitive to get into this. ultra. And then when you go to college, they give you Bishop of State money, which means they pay for your colleges. Whoa. So it's literally like getting plucked. The kids that go to Kamehameha School are always the best kids. And then there's stories of them becoming. I mean, they're always like politicians, right, right, doctors, right. and whatever. There's a, a there's a, a crazy documentary called Waiting for Superman, which is about the inner city school systems and the lottery in New York. How kids will put their they'll actually get a number and they'll put it into this lottery and and it'll determine their future and what school they get and into. And some thing. schools suck, and some schools will allow them to get into college and they have higher graduation rates. Absolutely. But that's fascinating. Same deal, but it, it's private and public. Yeah. Wow. And you have to have Hawaiian blood. And that was a big deal. Laws have been going down. They've met with a lot of people, but that's what the queen set up, and the deal still holds today. Okay. How so, crazy is that? At five years old, if you want to get into kindergarten, you take a test, and then you have an interview. And the interview is two parts where they play around with a bunch of kids and they watch them how they react with the other kids. What? If your kid is sitting in the corner acting weird, no, negative. You're out. If they're sitting inside there and he pushes another kid around, out, out. They have to play nicely. They have to organize. And then they sit down and then the, this lady that they've never met, you know, you figure you put this four-year-old girl. Whoa, this is like Ender's Game. Yeah, you yes, put this four or yes. five-year-old girl. It's the same, man. In front of this lady that they've never talked to so before there's only, in their life. And, and if you don't get in a kindergarten, the next time to get sixth in grade. is sixth grade. Uh -huh. If you move and get out of the system and you don't, you're never allowed back. 
<laughs> so you end up if you get in, you're stuck. You're gonna make your kid go through that whole system. I'm the opposite. I boycott that whole thing. But anyway, they they this is what goes down. And then you get sixth grade, eighth grade, ninth, and tenth. Yeah. Then that's it. And if you graduate from there, like colleges specifically have a college day at their campus where all the public schools meet in one like convention center and they all meet there and you have to like get your way in there. But if you're coming to schools, the colleges go to your school and have relationships with the school to right, get so you into a good it's college. It's like athletic scouts. Exactly. But it's it's Hawaiian scouts. Whoa. Exactly. It's, it's, it's um, there, there's a great podcast that Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell did um, called Revisionist History, and it's all about how basically how bad the United States is at finding ge- geniuses. And he follows around this one kid who grew up in a really horrible situation and is a genius, and how difficult it is for so many of these genius kids to actually get plucked oh, and sure. how these scouts will only go to certain schools and basically how much wasted talent we have in this country because wow. there are really smart kids that's that will never get that opportunity. That's an interesting idea. Wow. But yeah, I mean, um, that's what that's the whole thing with Hawaii, man. Hawaii is a very unique, magnificent, magical place. I mean, when people first started coming here by boat, I mean, imagine the stories they told when they got back. This is that place. You know, like people are, oh, I'm against Trump or whatever. But then Hawaiian people are like, I would put up walls around Hawaii. (laughs) And we do. It's a big Pacific Ocean. I would make sure to let only certain people in and certain things. That's what Trump's trying to do with America. That's what I feel. Yeah. But I don't agree with everything he does, but that's what he's doing. And with Hawaii, people want to keep people out, you know, and that's the same deal. Hawaii's a specific, beautiful spot. We need to make sure we keep it that way forever and ever and ever and ever. But easily a, a disagreement between Trump and China or whatever it could easily cause war right here in the islands and blow up the whole fucking place. And it could all go up in a second. And that's the whole thing with tying it all, everything we've just talked about, tying it all into the politics of now. The trophy of the world is Hawaii, and people will fight for that shit, and we can't have it here. So if we need to be an independent country, our own place, so that we can have the Russian fucking whatever dollar bill they got, or the yen, or the won, or whatever fucking thing, whoever decides, we just switch currencies. You guys fight over it in another place. We switch currencies, and we're part of their country now. Fuck it. We're our own country, but we, we do your currency. You can have your fucking warplanes here and your ships. And then guess what? If America comes again, guess what? We'll switch back to the dollar. We could give two fucks. Let us be the same. Let all your tourists come here, and then we'll switch to their tourists. And we'll, do it. we'll just be in the middle. We'll, be see, we'll, we'll all be multilingual fucking geniuses on this little Pacific island in the middle that's utopic and wonderful. And everybody can go fuck themselves, and we can be the trophy of the world. Just don't fight here. Who gives a fuck? Will, be, will business improve for Brendan's pig farm if hawaii becomes completely autonomous of course because everything and anything that comes from hawaii is going to be the fucking greatest but right. i can't keep his what pigs you, on his farm you're, now. you're the only one who has any purebred pigs out of all the hawaiian islands whoa it's a good good thing to have yeah but it's, it's the things that you know are brought up or raised here or made here. yeah no matter who. that would be wild wouldn't that wouldn't that be wild if that actually happened and you were the only person on this island who had that species of pig yeah and and you couldn't import or export anything oh my god think of how quickly things would change oh things change You're i mean things would cha- things would change 
for the worse, for sure, in some aspects. I mean, you wouldn't be able to get Nike shoes. You wouldn't well, like, be able look, to look, get... When, when Japan was going to take over, uh, we stamped all the dollar bills at Hawaii stamps. Mint, so that way we know. Mint floss. Like, there are definitely going to be certain oh, types of floss. Bro, Chinese got some mint floss, bro. <laughs> they got some straight teeth in China. <laughs> they got some Patisse-flavored floss. Bro. <laughs> Patisse maybe, dental hygiene, maybe dental hygiene's not as important okay. in China. <laughs> we got to wrap this up soon, but... Those final thoughts on Hawaii right now and your philosophy and how this has led up to what you're doing. So my whole philosophy is Hawaii is the most magnificent, magical, wonderful place in the whole fucking world. How do we keep it that way? How do we not fuck it up? It's with sustainability. It's with making Hawaii more marketable and better so that we can sell our products that are born, grazed, and raised here for more money than anywhere else because it is more valuable. Do we want Hawaii to be this place forever? This magical spot? Of course we do. Do you think people in fucking Florida want to always be able to come to a place like Hawaii? Yes. you think anybody in Korea want to come to a place like Hawaii? They only know of a place like this. Everybody that knows about Hawaii wants to come here. When, you want, when they eventually get to come here, two weeks from now, five years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, are they going to be let down with what they get here and they finally get to see? Or are they going to be surprised that it's still as magnificent as it was from the beginning? That's the goal. They need to be surprised at how wonderful it is. That means there needs to be restrictions and caps and fucking rules. Because natural human beings, as we are now, that's blended and mixed with all the different cultures of the world, is going to compromise what we have. So how do we find out what the right fucking system is to make sure that it stays wonderful? That's the goal. Congratulations, my friends. You just made it through the longest podcast I have recorded to date. Time flies when you're talking about pigs. All right. Once again, if you like this show or if you hate it, give it a rating wherever it is that you are listening to it. Get outside. Give someone a high five. I'll see you soon.